0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: So you, Kevin, alluded to this yesterday. But I was thinking about this on my way in. If you are the Kevin Bowen of Doylestown, Pennsylvania, or you're the Jake Quarry of... You know, suburban Houston, Texas. Last night you had two games. You had the Eagles and the Texans on Thursday Night Football. And then you had the Phillies and the Astros in the World Series. But if you're, let's say that you're you in Philadelphia. If you are a diehard Philadelphia sports fan, would you rather last night, if you had your pick, would you rather have sacrificed your Eagles remaining Undefeated in order to go up three two in the World Series, or do you have? If you had to pick one of those two games, which one does a Philly sports fan pick last night? I think you gotta pick Game Five,
2: right? I mean, in all likelihood, they're not gonna go undefeated. The Eagles, I mean, hell, last night they <laughs> it was tied at halftime. Uh, you, you gotta go with Game Five because now they lose. I, last night. They're in serious trouble. It, it would. They gotta right win point. both on the road: Game Six and Game Seven, Saturday and Sunday. But you know we were talking about it yesterday like where would the interest be a little bit more the fact that the Texans hung around for again a full half I don't know <laughs> maybe there were you know a few more people paying attention to Thursday night football and it was kind of a quiet game 5 really until the 7th and 8th innings I am as we
1: all are biased towards childhood nostalgia I love but those Phillies those Phillies uniforms blues. Yeah. are awesome
2: And I like when the Astros go orange.
1: Now, the Astros, and I'm again, this is strictly and only because they wore them when I was a kid, but I do love the rainbow Astros. I mean, they don't wear them
2: anymore. Right. I could not believe, did you guys see the stat last night? Uh, It was late that they said, now the Astros are up 3-2, again, game six and game seven in Houston, the last World Series champion to clinch at home. The 2013 Boston Red Sox. Okay.
1: And, and you know what's crazy? That's kind of wild. And I'm sure people will kill me for this. I, The Red Sox and the Cardinals both have so many intertwined years there in the last 10 where they almost unexpectedly made the World Series that I can't keep, I can't remember from one to the next which one was which opponent. So in other words, the 2013 Red Sox, you know, they've been to a couple of different World Series here in the last, which is odd to say about the Red Sox if you know their history. But you know, they become kind of a staple of winning the American League. So the 2013 series, would that be? That wouldn't have been the series. Like 06 would have been when they beat the Cardinals, right? Somewhere in there. Sounds right. Was that the sweep? Didn't they sweep the Cardinals? That might be right. Who, who did they beat in 13?
2: Boy, I don't. So I'm not a total idiot. I mean, I am, but... Not I have not, I mean, l- like we were talking about yesterday, I have no memories of World Series. None.
1: <laughs> okay, what's crazy is, like, I can recall... You name a World Series off the top of your head from... Are you like this? Are you like me in this? That, like, once you get into adulthood and professionally covering sports they all it definitely intertwines more but in your in your school years like like give me a year of the of the 80s or the late 70s off the top of your uh, head 84 okay 84 world series that was the dodgers and or excuse me the tigers and the padres the padres defeated the cubs to get to leon durham ball between the legs game five to get to the world series and then in the world series the tigers beat the padres i think in
2: six oh i i that memory unbelievable I just won
3: the series four games to one five okay yeah I willie got hernandez on that close it out so, i mean i'm on wikipedia so i don't know wikipedia is all knowing as
1: we know uh good morning to you by the way my name is jake query that's kevin bowen mark dykton is running the board for us and looking up things on wikipedia this is kevin and query on a friday good looking weekend ahead of us including extra hour of sleep right Fall back, right? I get to do that twice because they do it in, apparently, they do it in Europe last week. Look at you. Yeah. So I brought it with me. Nice. Brought, that, brought, that does not
2: shock me whatsoever. <laughs> Did you plan that?
1: I, listen, the two things I didn't know about Shannon, we're traveling over All Saints Day and we're going to make well, sure you okay. fall back. So I want to go back to that because people were telling me, they're like, dude, how big? I want to clarify what I was saying yesterday. I've obviously heard of All Saints Day. I knew that Halloween was like the eve of, you know, all Hallows Eve. I mean, I've known that. I didn't, not unlike, I'm not Catholic. Let me preface with that. But, you know, like I know what Ash Wednesday is. I know what Good Friday is, obviously. But on those days in the United States, you can still go to Starbucks. You right. can still go to, I, I didn't realize that All Saints Day like closes down everything and is like the second most hallowed holiday in Europe. I didn't, I didn't, my apologies for not realizing that. I don't think I'm alone. Is in that, that a European thing or a Spain thing? Well, Italy obviously, right? Well, Italy, yeah. I mean But, but in Spain, in, in Spain All Saints Day like is not necessarily about this is what I learned. It is simply like the hallow of the of the past of the deceased day and so that's the day that you go to your it's a more of a family thing than like a saints of the past thing. You go and you pay reverence to your deceased family. That's what I learned.
2: A Colts and Patriots coming up on Sunday. Voice of the Colts Matt Taylor going to join us. At 9 o'clock, Greg Rakestraw um, at 8. Could be Sam Ellinger facing Bill Belichick without his running back and without his left tackle. Uh, no Jonathan Taylor at practice this week. No Dennis Kelly at practice. So it could be Bernard Ryman going up against the top sacker in the NFL and Matthew Judon. And then with Taylor's injury situation, I would be surprised if he suits it up on Sunday. And, Jake, I think back to last year, The matchup here at Lucas Oil, the Colts finally beating the Patriots. That was the game of, oh my gosh, Carson Wentz stinks. We can't have him throw the football. Yeah, you're right. Five completions in that game for Carson Wentz. I think it was like 57 yards. Taylor put the game on ice with you know, certainly one of the highlights of the Frank Reich era. That big touchdown run to end it. Um, And that was probably the game of Taylor's career where... The Colts have literally been like, dude, you are all we've got. we are I, I think he played every snap but one, which is just unheard of for an NFL running back in today's league. Uh, and then again, they were pretty much scared to have Carson Wentz throw the football late in that game. Um, so that, I think, just adds to the difficulty uh, if he is not able to go on Sunday. For what it's worth, though, the Patriots – I would say arguably have a more banged up roster. They could be down four starters offensively around Mac Jones on Sunday. Two on the offensive line. I think that
1: game a year ago, the fascinating thing about that with Jonathan Taylor, Kevin, is to your point. Jonathan Taylor not only cemented that game against New England. And if you recall, I mean, you remember the hype about that game. I mean, we're, you know, Hard Knocks is in here. And I mean, that was the game. That was Taylor's MVP moment. That was like no way the Colts missed the playoffs. Absolutely. And... That game was won and cemented on the back of Jonathan Taylor. And the reality is they've got to get back to that. But can they? I mean, I understand. I understand this week. No, I understand that. But I'm saying when he's healthy again, you know, they are going to have to be reliant on that if they want to salvage anything here. But the question is can they or do they want to at this point?
2: Um, Again, a rookie left tackle and Bernard Ryman, Uh, the running backs that are healthy for the Colts. Dion Jackson Newcomer Zach Moss I'd assume One of these two from the practice squad Will get the call up That would be Philip Lindsay Or Jordan Wilkins So that is looking like Your running back rotation This weekend I thought Mike Reese made a great point with us yesterday About the turnover stat You know if you want to boil everything down To one stat for the Colts this season 0-3 when they lose the turnover battle Um, Or excuse me, 0-3-1 when they lose the turnover battle And 3-0 when they win the turnover battle The Patriots and Colts are both dead last in the NFL With 16 giveaways, 16 turnovers The difference being The Patriots rank first in the NFL in finding turnovers They've got 16 uh, turnovers forced Whereas the Colts only have 8 That stat Sums up everything for this football team right now, and I think how you've shuffled your offensive line is a big, big reason. Obviously, Matt Ryan's issues speak for, speak for themselves, and you know Taylor, um, as much as he is not like high, high on the list of issues for this team this season, you can't ignore his two critical turnovers, both at Lucas Oil Stadium, both in the second halves uh, of your last two home games. You know,
1: in terms of the turnovers, I, obviously. For the first, however many games here, you know, part of that number is skewed for the Colts in terms of takeaways. It it shows, Kevin, what we've talked about a lot. It's the obvious here. I realize, but it it does emphasize the importance of Shaquille Leonard on the field for the Colts in terms of you know they they have gotten good play in his absence except for that area, right? I mean, that's the one thing that that's the one. You think we see more of
2: him this week? The pitch count was like twenty, I think it may be twenty-four snaps for him last week. You know. I thought he looked like a liability at times outside of the turnover in the fourth. I'm going to go back to an old Jim Irsay saying,
1: and I want to make very clear before I say it, that in no way, shape, or form am I saying it is any sort of an indictment or blame on Shaquille Leonard at all. It's a totally understandable and completely, in my opinion, justifiable reasoning. But I'm going to go back to what Jim Irsay said about Andrew Luck. Do you remember what Jim Irsay said about Andrew Luck when he was asked once about Andrew Luck coming back off injury?
2: Is this the the between-the-ears
1: comment? Correct. And I feel like with Shaquille Leonard, you know, we talked about it, Kevin, very briefly, but he had sent a tweet, I don't know, a couple weeks ago that said something about, like, today was a day that was just difficult to get out of bed from my headspace. I'm paraphrasing. Um, And I think that for any athlete, that is a challenge. When you're coming off of a significant injury, your, your body... Your body might be telling you one thing, but your head is telling you another or vice versa. I I think it's a challenge sometimes for guys and gals, depending on the sport, to be able to go full throttle coming off an injury because it's always in the back of your mind.
2: I think, not to get into a Leonard luck comparison here, but I do think the Leonard injury much more severe than the final luck injury. That final luck injury, the calf, didn't need surgery. Shaquille Leonard just had... Back surgery for nerve reasons to correct the ankle wasn't pain. Wasn't the um, and again to your point, a good point. I I'm not like when you watch Leonard Jake. I mean, he looks correct. He just doesn't. He looks look, like he's afraid to hit people almost. He yeah, just lacks explosion, right? Like what you're used to with him. I, I thought luck. Not to go down this rabbit hole
1: because it's a, a kind of a moot point in terms of this nuance. But wasn't his final injury? I recall the last off season. He his injury was some sort of a weird. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong year. Like a weird bone in his near his ankle that that like they figured out. Like oh, only five percent of people yeah. have this additional uh, bone and it floated free. I th- like ostrygno
2: Yeah, it wasn't like that. that. Was it that one or yeah. was that? Yeah, that was it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was the final training. Because camp. I recall he practiced like the first week or the first four practices and then was done. I
1: recall Ryan Deem. I think it was Ryan Deem. I don't want to misquote here, but I'm pretty sure it was Ryan Deem. Sounds right. Uh, Ryan Deems saying, like, hey, I had that same injury. Like, not many people have it. Like, it's one of those little bone spurs that you don't know that you even have it unless it flares up. And Ryan Deems, like, it's painful, man. It was easy to to get rid of, but it was painful when I had it. I I just
2: recall, and then, you know, a month later, he's retired. Um, As I went home last night, cut off the tags on the Barcelona sweatsuit for Max, I just thought to myself, he is going to save american men's soccer (laughs) and it's gonna start with wearing the sweatsuit and i can't wait like it's six to nine months we got to get him in that for the world cup coming up i'm gonna i'm gonna force him in that here in the next few weeks (laughs) i you know what i actually feel terrible if i'm contributing to like another kid i'm gonna be the earl woods of men's soccer is what I've what I've decided after <laughs> Uncle Jake with the purchase of the year. Now
1: do you want him to be a wing, a defender or a goalkeeper? That's a good question.
2: I, I think, think the the wings get all the chicks, right? Well, yeah, that's probably a good point. I don't know. I feel like soccer dudes just they just pull wherever now, who, they are the, on the field. I kind of like the midfield.
1: Wings don't need a wingman, which is interesting. Midfield is a defender, is it not? Well, I think
2: you're kind of the quarterback of a little... You play a little defense, you initiate the offense, you do a little everything. Okay. Well, maybe we should ask Greg Gregstraw when he joins us. <laughs> Greg okay. would know the answer to that. Greg is going to join In us on the program hour. today. Mark, who else do we
1: have lined up on the big show?
2: Matt Taylor. Usual Friday guest list. Uh, these are a little number. I, I don't want to get too numbery here, but will you guys hear me out for a second on Sam Ellinger? Okay. From Sunday. Uh, completion percentage, yards per attempt rating. I think for the most part common NFL fans have a general understanding of like those are some important metrics and they understand like what the numbers would indicate. Oh, that guy did well in one of those areas or that guy did poor in one of those areas. Ellinger start from Sunday over 74% completion percentage. Yards per attempt was I think 87 His passer rating was just barely over 100. If you look at those numbers, Jake, since Andrew Luck retired, such a stat line has only been done twice by a Colts quarterback.
1: Here's what I was thinking about. Not saying the statue goes
2: up next to Peyton Manning Uh, tomorrow, but I just want to indicate that was pretty good. On he, Sunday. Listen. We're talking Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Carson Wentz happened, Matt Ryan, twice. He was above sufficient.
1: Clearly, he played to a level to put the Colts in position to win the game. The question I would have for you, Kevin, is this. And I don't know that we know the answer to this. But did Sam Ellinger show us enough to be able to definitively say That they can open up the playbook more for him comfortably, and that he will be able to play at that level once defenses have seen all of his nuances on tape and are able to game plan for him. I think that's the next question. You know, the first one or the second one? Like, do you think that they did the Colts in any way, shape, or form dumb down? Dumb down is the wrong word, but simplify. Better way of saying it. Did they simplify offensively who and what they are to accommodate his sure. acclamation? And he may have shown an ability beyond that simplification, but did he show enough to know that he can be beyond that simplification?
2: Yeah, I, I think you just catered the playbook to his strengths and what he likes, which any offensive play caller, coordinator... Needs to do, um, and I think that's exactly what Frank Reich did. I would like to see that continue in terms of moving him out of the pocket, and doing those sorts of things. But to your point, Jake, the challenge increases big time now that you are you have NFL film. Uh, you are going on the road. It's your first road start. Again, you could be down. You're starting left tackle. You're starting running back. No Naheem Hines either. You know Belichick is preparing for you. I think the strength of the of, of this New England team is certainly their defense. Um, I mean, it's going to be so low scoring. The over under thirty nine and a half. I'm like the first one to seventeen probably wins. So to beautiful so. in Foxborough, by the way. That's n- those words have
1: never been uttered before. <laughs> have you ever turned on a New England Patriots game where it was, especially against the Colts, right. where it wasn't forty-seven and like that fog where you can barely
2: see from the camera angles, and you're just like, ugh, right? Seventy-five and sunny on Sunday in Foxborough, unbelievable. And like those those trees in the background there, it's going to be a nice sight. And what's it supposed to be here? I'm hoping. Pretty similar, right? Isn't it supposed to rain tomorrow? Is that it's supposed to be a nice night? I think for high school sectional finals tonight. Uh, Sixty-eight and sunny here. Uh, By the way, my buddy Mike Stevens.
1: I know Mike Stevens, physical therapist extraordinaire from St. Vincent, says os trigonum or os trigonum. I don't. Maybe it's Orioles trigonum. (laughs) That's that's what uh, Andrew Luck had. That's that floating uh, piece of bone that. Apparently he was like over it at that point. Yeah, cut, but that cut that out and put it in Eagle Creek. <laughs> well, that's what. What is Andrew Luck doing now? I, it, like, oh, isn't he back at Stanford? Right? Isn't he in grad it, school? Is that what it is? The reason I ask is because when I was looking at old buildings, I was you know looking at the architecture of Gaudi in Barcelona, and I was thinking, isn't this what Andrew Luck wanted to oh, do? Yeah,
2: yeah. He could just he could be leading the tour. Andrew Luck's going to be the athletic director at Park Tudor one day. Is that your prediction? Education, right? That's his master's. That's what he's getting in.
1: You know the irony there would be that Andrew Luck might be the athletic director at Park Tudor, but that would only be because he became a Colt, which came at the cost of eventually Marshall Manning being the quarterback at Park Tudor, right?
2: Like, wow. if okay, yeah, now I'm not. Now I'm following. If, if Peyton
1: Manning would have stayed a Colt and retired a Colt and never been released that clearly he's still living in indianapolis and his son is there any doubt that marshall manning would have been that the, the twins would have been a park tutor park Tudor right and
2: big recruiting i mean that's the, marshall manning
1: Isidore newman of yeah.
2: indianapolis right is mart how old is marshall manning i'm gonna guess he's probably a second grader yeah i was gonna guess 10 so eight
1: years away I mean, no way we're doing this show when he's in high school, but...
2: Mark, you missed this earlier. You were running out to the printer, um, but Jake heard the overnight update from Josh Molenex of Clemson-Notre Dame Saturday night and in true Jake fashion. Oh, Clemson's going to lose that game. Yeah.
3: Well, he said that when he was on vacation, too, that he was going to undersell the Clemson Tigers. He is set up. And then come in Monday puffing out his chest. Uh, I knew it the Clemson loss. Yep.
2: So do we have to sing the other fight song? I, I don't know the Clemson fight song. You probably have heard the Notre Dame fight song. The Clemson fight song doesn't have words, to
1: my knowledge. Like, they don't sing it in the crowd, but when they play it... Gosh, my pitch is so bad. All you need to do... This part is tough, Kevin. I hope you're able to follow along. At the very end of it, actually intermittently, like in the middle of the song, and then at (laughs) the end of the song...
2: T-I-G-E-R-S, Tigers.
1: Very close. C-L-E-M-S-O-N.
2: Okay. I can handle that, I feel like. That's kind of a long word to spell for a fight song. Okay. Oh, this is Tiger Egg. Now, are they running down
1: the hill here? So, you, you just do this. Are they petting Howard's Rock? Correct. And then when it gets to the end, you do... I can picture Davo looking like Usain Bolt right now running on the field. <laughs> that would... Be, I've always wondered... Now, let it play out here, and then we'll... I'll tell you, because we're going to rehearse in case you need it. Um, okay, then...
3: When do I spell? Right here. Now, right here, you go. Woo hoo! Woo hoo! Woo hoo! this is spelling okay. it out right now. Pig Suey yeah. or no?
1: That last note is where you do the end. C L E M S O, and then you do N. No words to the fight song? I, I mean, there probably are, but I, they have an alma mater song that everybody sings, and I sit that one out because I can go there. I'm a Walmart Clemson fan. I bought a sweatshirt at Walmart. Uh, I mean, there
3: are lyrics, but
2: yeah, there's none with like... You and me both. In the background. Notre Dame. Uh, Pacers tonight, no Jimmy Butler. That's great news for me. Uh, Pacers hosting the Heat. Four and a half point underdog, the Pacers. Uh, Victor Oladipo still has not played in Indiana since the trade, and he is
3: out for tonight. These lyrics can't be real for this Clemson song. This doesn't look... What Long. Ag- this looks like a you know, like a country song. Long ago, way down in the jungle, someone got an inspiration for a tune, and that jingle came from the jungle, became famous mighty soon. Thrills and chills it sends through you. Hot so hot it burns you too. Mark sounds like he's reading a book to his <laughs> so girl. Like, <laughs> like, like, just Look just at James the pictures, kids. The tiger went to town. <laughs> Though it's just the growl of the tiger, it was written in a syncopated away wow well, that's that's in there does it more say and, something about the song of the south i know that there's something about like it being like the song of the south it says more and more the yell for the tiger everywhere you go today, they're shouting where's that tiger where's that tiger where's that tiger where's that tiger hold that tiger hold that tiger hold that tiger no
2: okay this is literally a children's
3: book yeah i felt
2: like i
1: have never heard any of that but thank you for looking that up i don't think you have to sing it I would like you to read, sing that part. I don't know the Notre There's Notre Dame's fight song. I mean, it's a great fight song. Does it
2: have lyrics? Oh yeah. Cheer, cheer for Old Notre Dame! Wake up the echo singing her name. Come on, Kev. And her volley, it's, it's a cheer on there. high. Shake down the thunder from the sky. Whether the odds be great or small, Old Notre Dame will win overall. While her loyal sons are marching onward to victory. Okay, it's a great fight. Song. You'll be hearing that a lot Saturday night, Jake. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Entirely, po- I am worried about it. I am telling you, we got a great college slate. By the way, Tennessee at Georgia. Nothing like the number one Tennessee balls a two score underdog. I was weekend. telling uh, yesterday, Jason Hammer and I, who's a big,
1: he's a big Tennessee fan, big ran into him in the hallway, and we were chatting about it. And, and I think he, you know, we were just saying if that game's a one score game, I think
2: both stay in right at least for now so you will then have potentially two teams in the playoff from the same division that would be interesting cuz one of those teams obviously cannot go to the SEC title game right what happens then if alabama beats wins out beats either georgia or tennessee in the title well, game well then the yes
1: yeah, uh, like i that's why i said for now right but i think if if tennessee and georgia if let's say it's 29-27, you know, a field goal at the end of the game. I think both stay in for now. And then probably once Alabama ascends itself into the SEC final, it boots out whichever one was the loser of Tennessee-Georgia. So, yes, in the long run it has huge implication, but I don't know that, that in the immediacy it would if it's a close game. The, the challenge for the committee is going to be the fact that you have, for example, if Clemson were to lose – you know, you have Ohio State and Michigan unbeaten, but but obviously they're going to cannibalize. And then you have a ton of teams with one loss. A ton of really good teams with one loss. Who do you pick? What you about know? undefeated TCU?
2: Uh, again. If they went out, to your point, if Clemson were to lose, TCU's the fourth team, right? Yes. Undoubtedly. Alabama at LSU. Saturday night. We'll see if Indiana changes their quarterback coming out of the bye week in Purdue. Big one for Charlie Jones, Tyrone Tracy, the Iowa transfers. They get Iowa at ross Aid, And again, you win, you set up a massive, massive one next week with the Fighting Illini. Happy Friday to you. Nice start to this Friday here in Indy. Again, Greg Gregshaw at 8, Matt Taylor at 9. Kevin and Corey, 93.5, 107.5 The fans. Jake, the score was 3-2 last night, and now the series is 3-2. The Houston Astros win, and they lead 3-2, going back to Houston. Game 6, chance to clinch on Saturday. If a game 7 were to happen, that would be Sunday. Justin Verlander gets his first win in nine World Series starts. Ryan Presley with the five-out save. That ball that Schwarber hit to first there in the bottom of the eighth, fielded by a Notre Dame product. Trey Mancini, a beautiful play at first um, to get that out with a runner on third, which would have tied the game. How about the play in the ninth by McCormick to
1: catch up against the wall, who's a diehard Phillies fan, by the way. Hell Um, of a play. And whoever would have guessed that that was Justin Verlander's first ever World Series win?
2: They flashed back to some of those early Detroit Tiger Pictures yep. of him. It's it, yeah, that was amazing to me. And he wasn't. I mean, he only allowed one one run, but I think he had a handful of walks, so wasn't dominant dominant, but did enough from keeping them off the board. A little bit of small ball, uh, and the Astros win three two.
3: All the grief that Sam Fritz gave us for picking the Phillies in seven. He needs the Phillies in seven. I was now. gonna say he said Phillies in six, which yep. cannot happen right now. He yep. gave you grief over that. No, yeah, he y- said he you said, said hurt him. Yeah, he, yeah, he said we weren't. Okay. If we wanted to be real Phillies fans, we'd pick it in six. Uh,
1: NBA last night, how about the Orlando Magic getting their second win of the year? 131-29 over the Warriors. Jalen Suggs with 26 coming off injury. Added nine assists to go along with that. Nuggets last night, 122-110 over the Thunder. Denver now 5-3. and three. Aaron Gordon with 27.
2: Tonight, it'll be the Pacers at home with the Heat. Again, no Jimmy Butler making the trip. No Victor Oladipo. The Heat favored by four and a half. Uh, are you those, wa- I
3: think those Oladipo injuries, when they come to Indiana, just conveniently pop up. Uh, that is interesting, isn't uh, it? He has not played all year, for what it's worth. Um,
2: I believe the injury now is in the other knee. Not good. Is he 30 yet? He's got to be. Boy, Oladipo is the definition of a guy
1: that gambled on himself and it did not work out for him.
2: That, and, and then couple with the injury. I mean, the injury was devastating.
1: Well, yes. But I'm just saying, the... the and I... I I understand why. I mean, a, but a bird in the hand sometimes better than two in the bush. And he he took that risk and he lost it, man. Wow,
2: the Phillies. I just saw that stat: twenty straight at bats hitless with runners in scoring position. That does not win you a lot of games.
3: No, Victor Oladipo is thirty, by the way. Really? Mm-hmm. Just thirty? Just turned thirty in May. Okay.
1: Kyrie Irving, by the way, suspended minimum five games for his comments. Um, I don't know if you'd even say comments. His post that without pay. Without pay, five games without pay, essentially for not apologizing for uh, some controversial posts and anti-Semitism. And
3: Adam Silver said that he's not happy with his quote-unquote apology and is going to have a sit-down one-on-one with him. Right, a a lack of apology,
2: basically. Mm -hmm. Took away his money, he eventually apologized, but had to take that. Uh, For that to happen. Um, All right, Colts injury report heading into today's final practice. Again, Jonathan Taylor, that tweak of the ankle on Sunday has forced him to miss the first two days of practice. Not looking good on that front. And left tackle Dennis Kelly, a calf and ankle injury. He has not participated in either of these first two days. So it could be Bernard Ryman, the rookie back in the starting lineup. For the Patriots, they're down four offensive starters this week. Devontae Parker, one of their wideouts. Damian Harris, a running back, um, has been out due to illness. And two offensive line starters in concussion protocol. Their O-line struggled last week against the Jets. So that is something to keep an eye on. Pay uh, was bumped up to a full participant yesterday in practice. He has not played since that Thursday night game in Denver. Uh, when we come back more on that exact matchup,
1: the Colts and Patriots, it does feel a little bit different, does it not, than years past? Not necessarily in an awful way, but just a different feel to it. And when did the wind and how did the wind go out of the sails or did it for the Colts on the season? We'll get into that. We'll explain. Kevin and Query on a Friday. Good Friday morning to you, ninety three five one oh seven five the fan.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
4: Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898.
1: This doesn't have, Kevin, the same feel in terms of, you know, a year ago, Colts Patriots. It was the... The reignite of the rivalry. Two teams, a watershed moment on which one was going to seize control of the AFC. Hard knocks following the Colts with Carson Wentz trying to lead the Colts and blaze their path into becoming into the AFC's elite and taking over as the team down the stretch. That was what was at and on the line a year ago and we were talking about how it was the the game of the week in the NFL maybe the game of the year in the NFL and all the hype and obviously you go back to you know Andrew Luck and Deflategate and the AFC championship games in Foxborough and getting knocked out by New England and then Brady Manning and all of the history even before that in the AFC East You know, Steve Grogan coming in and battling against Chris Chandler, and who's going to be the one that actually finds and writes the ship. It doesn't have any of those storylines, but is it still a significant game because of the fact that you have two teams? that really are kind of like the Spider-Man gif of looking at each other and not knowing which one is which because you have two teams that are both trying to find out at the quarterback position whether or not they indeed have the guy to move forward with but possibly this game is going to send one team into the direction of maintaining this season and the other team into the direction of totally looking forward and starting to turn the calendar a little bit. Yeah, that's Am cr- I over-romanticizing this matchup for the sake of nostalgically feeling like it's relevant?
2: Probably a tad. Um, I mean, New England's won 3-4, but they play in a loaded division. You know, the Colts obviously don't feel like that entering this season or entering this week from a momentum recently, winning 3-4, something like that, as New England has done. Uh, Obviously, from a divisional standpoint, the Colts are in the far easier division than the AFC East. To your quarterback point, if Mac Jones struggles on Sunday at all early on, that crowd will be chanting for Bailey Zappi again. So, I think to that point, there is a little bit there. Obviously, Mac Jones being the first-round pick and Sam Ellinger being a sixth-round pick is much, much different. I think the teams are a bit built similar in that they both kind of want to just run it at you. That would be ideal. Um New England's defense is very good. I think Colts' defense, that would qualify as a strength. But um, I think Patriots fans certainly feel a tad better about their situation right now than the Colts do. I mean, the Colts, again, you have major questions at the pillars of your franchise. New England's got a question at quarterback still, but I guess it depends how long Belichick's going to coach, but certainly you don't have a question ahead head coach. But I think when you look at the Patriots, and this is what...
1: Colts fans I think need to be aware of a year ago the talk was about Mac Jones you know there was so much talk about the young quarterbacks obviously in the AFC in particular and Mac Jones was the one that people were like man you almost forget about Mac Jones, like who was Mr. Consistent for New England and looked comfortable right away. And, you know, Belichick found his guy in just plugging in a guy to a system that was good for a quarterback and allowed stability and footing. And look how mature and poised Mac Jones is. And we don't talk a lot about him, but New England's, you know, having a surprisingly good year. And yet here we are a year later, Kevin. And there's discussion as to whether or not, well, I don't know. He's 24. Like, is he the guy? Eh. So the point being, he's got, you know, what, 20 more starts probably somewhere in there, 18, whatever it might be, than does Sam Ellinger. And yet you're still evaluating whether or not that's the guy. So we can't let one game or one month or, in this case, one you know, two thirds a season define possibly for the Colts whether or not they know that answer about Sam Ellinger, right? Is it Ellen Gerr or Ellinger? Gurr. Hard, hard G. Are we sure on that? We are. We clarified with Matt Taylor last Friday. <laughs> okay. I can I just keep calling him Ellinger just to make it my Gerrific. thing. Gurrific. Gurrific. But, but does that make sense what I'm
2: saying? Yeah, though? I I understand where you're going with it. Um in relation to Sunday's matchup, Jake. And this would have—I mean—the fact that I'm saying this out loud just sounds outlandish. Is the bigger loss for Sunday Jonathan Taylor or Dennis Kelly? And is that an idiotic question? Boy,
1: no, I don't think it's an idiotic question at all. Um, oh boy!
2: I and hear me out, I guess. While you—no, I, I think it's a good question because it's kind of chicken and egg, isn't it? Patriots have the leading sacker in the NFL, Matthew Judon, eight and a half sacks. Even with, I guess, a limited Taylor, I wouldn't expect massive amounts of production on the ground from him anyways. And this is a little bit low-hanging fruit, but it's a stat that I think you should point out. I mean, the Colts are 2-0 without Taylor this year. We've talked about it before. It is in replaceable position. Um... I just feel like with a first-time road starter, as much as you would want to lean on that run game, and not that there's some major difference between Dennis Kelly and Bernard Ryman, but with how Ryman looked in that first meeting in Denver, his first start, boy, I, I don't know. And for what it's worth, it looks like neither guy's going to play. Kevin, so I try. Point.
1: I try really hard. I'm not saying that I do it well. I try really hard to be objective without bias in analysis and opinion. Human nature dictates that some of that comes into play. I understand that when you continue to harp on a point... And emphasize something that people then automatically start to not automatically but over time start to feel like you have a bias against something I I totally understand that I promise people hearing my voice right now that this is not a statement with any bias whatsoever but simply observation that I can't shake loose even though I'd like to when Chris Ballard was hired as the general manager of the Colts the league wide reputation was that he was the the prodigal like that he was the future of NFL general managers no one necessarily specifically said why like couldn't tangibly say one reason why they liked him so much but he was just he was very respected that's cool by people who are much more intertwined with the NFL than i so i get it but we have sat here and be it the media, the fans, all areas. Frank Reich has been under a very finely tuned microscope on him at this point and his seat is very warm. Carson Wentz. The owner scapegoated Carson Wentz. Frank Reich scapegoated, you know, whether it be Marcus Brady or whoever it may be. Why is it, Kevin? That the one thing that we were told that made Chris Ballard special and unique was his ability to build depth and start in the trenches in building a national football team roster. And that was the area that the Colts were going to be stronger than others and separate themselves. And yet the area that we were told that Chris Ballard was the architect – Like, they were building a house, and he showed up, and he's like, listen, I'm the guy that is awesome with drywall and painting. I'm the guy. And everybody said, you got to have him because he he can hang drywall and paint it better than anybody. And their drywall is completely flaking and breaking off, and they have zero paint to put on it. So why is Chris Ballard seemingly completely immune to criticism around here, and why is nobody saying, what in the world is going on in the fact that the one area that we were told was going to be the focus on building this football team? is the one that has completely 100% collapsed, let them down, and borderline derailed their entire season.
2: Yeah, that would be my biggest issue if I were Jim Merce right now. It's that Ballard's most important belief, before he gets anywhere else on that list, is trench play, and in particular the offensive line, and that's failed this group. Correct. More than any other aspect of this roster. That's the root of all problems. I think to add to it, Jake, again, Dennis Kelly could be out on Sunday. That would bring Bernard Ryman in the starting lineup. As the Colts enter this week, they've played eight games. They've started nine different offensive linemen. Again, there's only five spots. You've started nine, and none of them have been due to injury. All due to performance. That, to me, for a group that you're supposed to build continuity, the highest paid offensive line in the NFL and you have shuffled in nine guys for five spots when none of them have been due to injury. Uh, So it's not like you've even had the general attrition. We talked about it. The Patriots, they're down two offensive line starters for this week, and due to injury, Colts haven't even gotten there yet. Dennis Kelly looks like the first time all season long. Um, There's obviously reasons that Jim Mercer should be questioning Frank Reich, but with Ballard, that would... Arguably, Jake, on paper, Ballard's greatest supposed strength is, to your point, building the trenches. What's Frank Reich's greatest strength on paper? What is he known for? Offensively,
1: yeah, quarterbacks and uh, you know, quarterbacks and
2: offensive scheme, right. I guess uh, you know. And what are the two things failing the Colts the most right now? Yeah, Ballard's offensive line and Frank Reich's offense. And if you're Jim Irsay, when you're looking at these two and you're evaluating both of them, you got to start there. It's not that your linebacker play has been particularly devastating or, you know, hell, I was certainly not a fan of the planet wide out, and while I think they could have bolstered that with a veteran or two, that has not held the group back to the extent of the offensive line. That would be my worry if I were Ursae, in that what these two guys, their biggest calling cards, their biggest strengths, both of those are failing i feel like
1: you could have an offensive line of orlando pace mike webster alan fanica going out and putting a game together and kevin if they've never played together or had numerous reps with one another they're gonna suck as a unit not individually but as a unit that's and and so you just can't at some point you got to pick a lineup and you got to
2: stick with it right comes down to that uh greg rexar joins us next kevin and corey and your high school team still left
1: jake you had you had a couple coming into the year right uh well my teams of course shelbyville shortridge north central shortridge might still be alive rake would know that north central i know uh not alive shelbyville i think also
2: done the fighting bears golden bears yeah golden bears yeah um I guess I'll just throw this question to Rake. Rake, yesterday um buddy of mine that uh, lived on my floor freshman year at IU asked me, best high school football game in the state this Friday night. He, he's looking to go someplace, taking the sectional final. Your response to that would be where?
5: Well, I'm kind of personal, the game that I've got in Cathedral and Lawrence Central, and my guess would be you're kind of interested in that game too. Um, hey, I would I would put Fishers and HSE Knowing that the Mudsock game is for a sectional championship, I'd put that game up there as well.
2: It seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like we maybe had some juicier matchups last week and a few more lighter ones in the sectional final round.
5: At least in the 6A ranks, we did. A lot of kind of the sectional favorites played each other in the opening round whether that was Ben Davis and Brownsburg, which turned out to be a 28-point game, or Carmel and Westfield, which turned out to be a 19-point game, or then we had games that were a little bit of surprises because of how close they were. The fact that Center Grove was trailing in the fourth quarter to Franklin Central and beat them 14-10, or the fact that L.N. led Cathedral in the second quarter and that game really wasn't put away until the final minute or two. Um, Even kind of new Powell and foray, you know who, who played a couple of conference and county rivals and probably had a closer game the first two weeks than they'll have this week with Connorsville. So there are some good sexual championship matchups out there, but especially in the 6A category, a lot of, of the bigger games happened last week. Again, Fishers, HSE, to a lesser degree, Noblesville-Westfield would kind of be the exception to that.
1: Greg, who is, at any level, I guess, who is the best team that is surprisingly not remaining, you know what I mean, where things opened up within their class or the team that things have opened up for that might be a surprise to end up playing Thanksgiving weekend?
5: That's a good question, and and I'm not sure there is anybody that would define that. Again, what struck me last week was kind of, I wouldn't say lopsided, but how controlling a couple of those wins were. You know, Ben Davis and Brownsburg, I did that game the first time around, Ben Davis did not have their starting quarterback in week one of the season because he was a transfer from Brownsburg, and he was just ready to wrap up the 365-day wait from transferring one school to the other. And I thought, all right, this is going to be a little – and it was a competitive game the first time. Brownsburg won by five, and basically a ball was knocked away at the goal line late to ensure that Brownsburg is going to win that game. Then Brownsburg's quarterback in Jaden Whittaker got hurt in week nine, and it was a big question mark as to whether he would be able to play. Brownsburg won that game by 28. Now the draw doesn't open up for them. They play a rival in Avon this week. Avon's down, and Brownsburg should win that one rather handily, but strange things happen in rivalry games. And then the Carmel-Westfield game. I I wouldn't say I was stunned that Westfield won the game. I was surprised they won the game by 19. Uh, But again, they will now play a Noblesville team that, you know, took them to the last play of the game during the regular season in a Noblesville team, but off the top of my head, my guess would be it's it's been a little while, like 20 years perhaps, since Noblesville won a football sectional. And so I'm not sure the draw has really opened up for anybody again in terms of the larger levels because other than Ben Davis and Brownsburg, a lot of the ranked teams were kind of spaced out and separated. There is a good chance that as we get to next week in 6A – where there will be eight teams left, that we could have eight different ranked teams left still playing, maybe seven. I don't think Warren Central is ranked, but we kind of knew in their sectional they would have a little bit of an easier path to get likely back to Centergrove in terms of, of a regional game. So it's a good question. Again, at the larger level, I'm not sure that's really kind of that draw has opened up just yet.
2: I know Maddie Bone will have her eyes on Chatard and Garen tonight. That's a nice matchup in 3A okay. and really should be great weather. Um, here for the sectional finals. Rake, Shifting Gears again, Greg Rakestraw with us ISC Sports Network. Not only is he got Cathedral L C tonight, he's got some volleyball action for the state finals coming up tomorrow. Um well let's go on the Colts front. Obviously a very newsy week. Rake, if I talked to you at the side on the sidelines at Grand Park in August and said Marcus Brady or Naheem Hines will not be on will not be around in early November, who would have been
5: more of a surprise for you? Uh Naheem Hines. Because I, 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 and not that I had any any negative expectations or connotations uh, of, of what Marcus Brady was going to do, just because Naheem Hines is a foundational pay, piece, uh, paid like it, uh, but also uh, because of everything that was said during the offseason. Yep. It's, 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 it's what Jake was talking about last segment. If you're going to talk about building the offensive line, you'd better build it well. If you're going to talk about Using both Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines together on the football field, we saw that, like, what, a handful of times over, over the course of the last eight games? I know injuries play a part in that, but I think of some formations last week and we go, hey, maybe now you get this, you know, this, this, this Hines and Taylor combo. And he's traded a couple of days later. And again, now nah, he may have asked for that trade. And obviously, the Colts have been, you know, uh, have have not been willing to uh, to kind of own up to that or, or or discuss that aspect of it. But anytime you fire an offensive coach eight, eight weeks in, it's not good. Anytime you trade a player that you know you have indicated you'd be building around for multiple years, that's also not good. So I I would have been stunned had you told me either of those would have happened, but if you make me pick one, it's Naeem Hines.
1: Greg, I guess if you stick around the market long enough, you start to see trends repeat themselves. And I'm looking at the Colts, and I'm putting myself in the position of Jim Irsay, and I'm thinking, okay, I already saw the situation where Chuck Pagano was my head coach, Bruce Arians then went elsewhere and flourished and people started saying well did we maybe keep the wrong guy is the same thing happening now do you think in any way shape or form in the back of the mind of Jim Irsay because of Nick Sirianni and his success and the question marks around Frank Reich who I like a lot as a guy don't get me wrong
4: I I would
5: give you the counter to that though not saying what you're saying is inaccurate but let's go back to Ted Marchabrode and Lindy and Fonte when you did make the other 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 call saying, Hey, if this guy's gonna leave, I'm gonna make sure I keep the offense yeah. in mind. And maybe that, that factors
1: into it, right? In terms of and, that. And,
5: and and Lindy was was not supposed to be the head coach of the Colts, given kind of how things played out over over the course of the next couple of years, but it's also Atlanta, you Peyton Manning. So so I I'm not sure if if, if you're going that far yet, um, but is there without doubt has there been a talent drain in terms of coordinators and position coaches going elsewhere on this football team? Yes, that has been the case.
2: Again, Greg Rankstraw is with us here. You're going to hear him post-game show coming up on Sunday. Colts at Patriots 2006, the last time the Colts won in Foxborough. Rick, I, part of me when I say it out loud. It kind of sounds foolish, but I, I threw it to Jake last segment, so I'll toss it to you. Given the fact that this is Sam Ellinger's first road start, Could Dennis Kelly actually be a bigger loss than Jonathan Taylor this week, or is that ludicrous?
5: Um, It's not ludicrous given the lack of overall success the Colts have had in rushing the football. And it's not ludicrous considering how well I thought Ellinger played last week. And it's not ludicrous considering that Kelly has brought this offensive line from um, catastrophic to one that simply has some holes. Um, So, so no – Uh, I I've seen this team win without Jonathan Taylor. Um, I've seen seen them lose, you know, with Dennis Kelly on the field, but the protection issues have largely been better. So, um, let's put it this way. I don't exactly have a great feeling about Sunday's game in a lot of aspects and not having Dennis Kelly would be high atop that list.
1: Greg Regstra is our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You hear him, as a matter of fact, on the post-game show for the Colts, right here on this radio station. Each and every game, Greg, I mentioned this to Kevin. I think it might have been last week, but I want your your thoughts on it. The Pacers came out and almost, perhaps, over aggressively stated to everybody the fair warning of look, we're we're in a a strip down and build back up rebuild basically, they might have even oversold it in terms of the level of their rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. Are the Colts teetering on being in that exact same scenario but being more coy about
5: it? I don't know yet, and the reason I say that is because there's nine games left to go. And let's face it, it has been... 11 years, 12 years, I, I, I guess, really, since the Colts have been in that position. Um, and, and and the one time they thought they were in it, they were so surprisingly good that year that the rebuild plan got scrapped and it became, okay, we're bringing in an army of free agents to surround ourselves with this young core on offense that we have on rookie deals for the next two or three years. And, and so it, the, the, the rebuild was over. And even then, I, I very distinctly remember one of my – one of, one of my most vivid memories of a Jim Irsay conversation is it from he and I talking or he and Rick Venturi talking and me listening uh, during preseason telecasts, but it is from training camp at Anderson University in August of 2022. And when he was asked about his team's expectations or his expectations for the team that year, you know, a lot of us are saying this is gonna be a four win team or a five win team. Or hey, the coach gonna take their lumps, but we believe in Andrew Luck. he think they got some good pieces. You know, look out for the future. And Jim's talking about him being a wild card team, and we all st- we literally start laughing. Uh, and, and he's like, "I'm serious." Well, crazy like a fox, right? They went eleven and five, and they're a playoff team. And, and so, I think the rebuild word. Is is so foreign to Jim because he hasn't had to go through it? You know, you've had these one year kind of blip hiccup seasons over the last twenty years, where where you know it's, it, you know has this team been average a lot? Yep, have they been really terrible? Well, two thousand one because Edger and James got hurt and you switch coaches. Two thousand eleven because Peyton Manning got hurt and you switch coaches. Two thousand seventeen because Andrew Luck got hurt, and you switch coaches. Um, you can deduce from that that statement what you want, but usually there has been some sort of mitigating injury factor that has said, hey, we'll be fine, or, again, you just hit everything right in the 2011 draft. Circumstances you know, conspired in your favor in 2012, but it has been so long since this team felt, hey, even the year after you draft Peyton Manning, you have one bad year, you win 13 games the next year. So all of that long-winded answer, Jake, is to tell you, to me it's going to take a lot for the for the word rebuild to really be at the forefront of the mind of, of Jim Irsay and those that work for him at 56th Street.
2: Again, it's Greg Rakestraw, ISC Sports Network, with us here. Rake he had two touches on Sunday. That's obviously not a ton, but I thought it might have been the best game of Paris Campbell's career, Um, Drew the big pass interference penalty, and you look at the two big plays he created on his own, it was a screen and a jet sweep. I I feel like with the Naheem Hines trade, obviously health is still a huge, huge question, and it's wild to think that at this point of the season, Paris Campbell's eight games are the most he's played in any NFL season. But I just look at what he did Sunday and think, okay, no Hines. If you can continue to give him touches in those areas, I'm very curious to see if the Campbell we saw on Sunday you can tap into more of that as he plays out this contract year.
5: Let's face it, the negatives far outweigh the positives from this year. But there is no doubt that, to, to me, the only positive that is greater than Paris Campbell is probably the overall play of Grover Stewart. I, I would put Paris and, and Alec Pierce would probably be right behind him, or they'd be two A and two B in the overall hey what we thought was a a bad position and wide receiver, at least from a top-three standpoint, those guys will all prove they can play at this level and be contributing pieces for this team going forward. So I am so happy for Paris, given everything that he is going through. And, and yes, he had as big of an impact with three touches, and, again, let's credit him, say, four, for the pass interference, as he did with having a 10-catch performance the week before.
1: And, and Greg... You know, to your point, at Grover Stewart. I, I don't think we can say enough good things about him. I feel bad no. for the guy that this year, perhaps their overall season might kind of lose in the shuffle. What he has been able to do and be probably their most consistent performer at a position that, truth be told, the Colts have long been looking for consistency. Right?
5: And le- and let's let's explain to people the delineation between All Pro and Pro Bowl because they get used kind of inner you know intertwined and they're really not. If you're a Pro Bowl defensive tackle, you're probably am, uh, amongst the top eight at your position out of 32 teams in the National Football League when there are usually 64 starters at defensive tackle in the National Football League. That, that's really good. By the time the Pro Bowl gets around, guys beg off because of injury, playoff games, etc. So let's say Pro Bowl designation goes to the top 10 or top 12 defensive tackles in the National Football League. All pro means you're in the top two. And I think Grover Stewart is a top two level defensive tackle. Like, literally, it could be Aaron Donald and then him. That's how good he has been this year. So, Grover has just been remarkable in the fact that he has basically improved his game all six years. He has been in the National Football League, and that he was a fourth-round draft pick that played Division II football. Mm-hmm. It, it, his story is, is, is rather remarkable.
1: Greg, I want to uh, finish with you this morning. Greg Rakstra is our guest on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Um with something that I think is an important lesson for everybody that has nothing to do with the Colts, high school football, anything else. And I hope I'm not out of bounds in bringing it up, but you posted it on Facebook, which I assume is a public forum, correct?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Okay,
1: My mom actually has known your son since he was a young boy because she had him in school. And I know that school has not always come easy for easily for your son he, he had some yep. some challenges at no fault of his and this week he went on a school field trip and that seems probably routine to a lot of people right it was not for your son and when I saw your post it actually I, I was almost emotional when I read it because I think that people lose sight of making sure that their child has their own victories And not comparing those victories to everybody else on the schedule, but simply focusing on what's a victory for their child. And I thought your post was an incredibly poignant and important one to let people in the world know that sometimes you just got to back up a little bit and let people be who they are. I just thought it was super cool.
5: Well, I appreciate you saying that, and I don't mind talking about it. So my son is autistic nonverbal. Um, and again, Jake's mom, Karen, who is known for her leaf PSAs this time of year, that's right. Uh, for, for her 45 plus years of working at the children's corner preschool has, has been like the, uh, you know, uh, assistant mom to thousands of children in the broad ripple, uh, hashtag midtown area. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and, she's and, never and, called and, it midtown. I know I, I, I have and That's good enough for me. Uh, so anyway, she is, she's worked with both my daughter, Mia, who's now 11 uh, and my son, Jack, who is now eight. Uh, and, and so for, you know, for, for us, you know, people ask all the time because of, of, of what I do for a living, Hey, your kids must real, really be into sports. Right. And I go, well, <laughs> my daughter has my performance genes, but could not care about sports ball as she calls it. And so much like Jake query, in a couple of years, she's going to be a North Central Panther, uh, because she is going to go there because of their wonderful arts program. My daughter's in the Annapolis Children's Choir. My daughter is in the school musical. She She's done some footlight musical and uh, Phoenix theater camps. Mm-hmm. She has the performance scenes from, from her, from both me and my mom. That's the route that she wants to go. Then they asked about my son. I go, well, my son's probably about 6'3 or 6'4 left-handed, and... You know, he is, he's built like his dad. He's going he's to be a, a, a tank. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm not sure team sports are going to be an option for him. Um, it's part of the reason. I, I hope I would feel this way without having this be the case. But it's part of the reason I'm so passionate about what the IHSAA does with Special Olympics and unified sports. And like I did the call of the Unified Flag Football State Championships three years ago. And maybe son will get to play in that in high school. I don't know at this point so you know I, I i post so much about you know what i do for a living and the places that i get to go and the venues that, I, that i'm in etc well you know it's probably time to celebrate a victory for my guy and that's why i said it in the way i did going on a field trip for some is not a big deal for my kid it is a huge stinking deal and I, i'm so proud of him every day but especially yesterday
2: as you should be rake my mom taught special ed for 30 years so special olympics has always had kind of a close place to the bowen family so I, I absolutely love hearing that and glad that uh he was able to feel that and you were um as his dad enjoy tonight i'm again glad it's good weather have fun at the volleyball state finals tomorrow and uh, we will talk to you next week Rick
5: thanks fellas appreciate you
2: great great the great greg rake straw right there on the Payless liquors hotline i'll tell you what the um I'm glad he brought up Grover
1: Stewart. We've talked about him before, but, Kevin, I mean, listen,
2: that's the one bright light in this season so far, right? Every week. You know, the thing that stands out to me about Grover too, Jake, first off, he plays a position that creating, like, a headline for you is very difficult. Like, you got to go out of your way to make a lot of those plays. We think of those guys just as kind of space eaters. Right, right. He's not just a space eater. The other thing about Grover, he signed an extension I want to say about a year, maybe two years ago, and his play has only ascended since then. That's and you're right. That is rare, right? Division two, day two draft, day three draft pick. I guess he would have been. You know, oftentimes those guys sign a second contract and they're they're smooth That's sailing. It. Yeah, they're they're done. Yeah, his play has only increased. Um, he is easily the MVP of the Colts through the first yeah. eight weeks of the season. Uh, to Rick's point, he won't get the notoriety. To be an All Pro or probably a Pro Bowler, which is a shame, but he deserves it. You know my favorite thing about him, Grover. His name's Grover. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he watches he washes his wings in in the sink. I did know that as well. We learned that last year on Hard Knocks. Right oh, around first time, Hard Knocks got to be starting back up, right, Mark?
3: I believe November 9th, So we'll get the uh the Fighting Dan Campbells. No, it's the, it's the uh, who's the in it's the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals, that's it. Lions were the were the training. Oh, condition. that's right. His Call right. of
1: Duty coming oh, out in yeah, 10 times. Oh, it's out.
3: It's out already, so... You, you want to go with trends? Can you imagine if Hard Knock
1: shows Kyler Murray at home playing Call of Duty? Like what people are going to do? <laughs> We're just going to do a home follow. For those that don't know, by the way, Kyler Murray was has been scrutinized about
3: his addiction to Call of Duty, and there was allegedly some stuff in his contract about it's it. It's only when it's double XP weekends that's when it Excuse really me? goes down. When it's double XP weekends, oh that's yeah, when of Kyler Murray goes down mm-hmm. down the tubes. So. What, what
1: what is the, the double XP weekend?
3: So they'll put it out like when the game comes out or like when the holidays come, but they want you to play, so they'll give you double experience. Points so experience. You, get, okay, you can jump you, your yes. rankings up more. <laughs> okay. Double XP, it's on the Doritos bags. One
2: okay. thing to watch on Sunday again. No Taekwond Lewis done for the year. We'll see if Quiddy Pay gets back. He was a full participant in practice yesterday. A guy the Colts desperately need to emerge right now um, would be Dio Denbo. I think Taekwon Lewis has been an important piece to that D line group. Colts need Dio Denbo right now to step up, and again, we'll see where Quiddy Pay is at health-wise. All right, let's do a morning check down.
1: Chirp, chirp about that Ball State basketball. Michael Lewis going to join us on the program probably sometime next week. Last night, Major League Baseball. It was the Houston Astros 3-2 over the Philadelphia Phillies. That actually puts the World Series at the exact same score as Kevin mentioned earlier. 3-2. Houston now up. Justin Verlander, his first career World Series win as Houston now takes it back to Texas.
2: At Game 6 tomorrow, if they need a Game 7, that will be on Sunday. Last night, Thursday night football. The Phillies, or excuse me, the Eagles win. They don't cover, though.
3: 29-17. 13 and a half, right? Yeah, 13 and a half, Those double-digit lines in the NFL always always scare me a little bit understandably right 29-17
2: tied at halftime the Eagles now 8-0 on the air Jalen Hurts 243 through the air two touchdowns they've got the Commanders on Monday and then Lucas Oil Stadium will be next for them on the 20th do they take care of business with Washington come here undefeated
1: yes and then the Colts beat them Uh, Speaking of Jalen and Commanders, Jalen Suggs last night took command in the fourth quarter as Orlando defeated the Warriors, 130-129 in the association. The other game last night was Denver, 122-110 over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Aaron Gordon had 27 for Denver. Pacers in action tonight taking on the Miami Heat. No Victor Oladipo or Jimmy Butler for Miami.
2: Uh, we'll break down the Colts injury report coming up here in just a second. Again, it'll be Sam Ellinger's first road start in Foxborough this weekend for that one o'clock kick. New England favored by five and a half. Here was Ellinger earlier in the week on recapping his first start in the NFL
3: debrief is good obviously take the, take the first 24 hours to be able to evaluate um, see what you did right see what you did wrong rescript reframe in your mind so you can learn from uh, coverages and plays and, and what went right and what went wrong um, so I thought that was good obviously um, they were good and there were there were a lot of things that I need to clean up and opportunities uh, that were missed um, so just looking forward to getting better this week.
2: Ellinger has uh, been a frequent visitor to Stefan Gilmore this week with Gilmore's history in New England.
5: This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Mark, you're right on that. Boy, was Mark ready for like, that? Like, literally, chat was like, "Can you play that? We haven't heard it in a while." And I was like, "Oh, Mark Kevin has just never it been up. more ready." That was first pitch swinging right there by Mark. Dieter. Did you guys get together on that?
2: Did you no, call each no, other last night? Not at all. I'll tell you what. There were some moments last week, and especially with that big play to Terry McLaurin late in the game, where I felt like Mark wanted to hop over the board and press those buttons when Sam Fritz wasn't playing those. But yes, yeah, Stephon Gilmore has been an important resource. This
5: one for Mr. Gilmore. this
2: week. <laughs> <laughs> Stephon Gilmore <laughs> brings a smile
3: <laughs> to my face every time we play
2: it. <laughs> Stephon Gilmore was saying he still chats with Robert Kraft.
3: Really? I think it's kind of unusual
2: to see a defensive player exit a franchise, but... NFL Defensive Player of the Year with New England a few years back. You know,
1: Robert Kraft probably was very kind to Stephon Gilmore, gave him a decent contract, made him a lot of money, got him some exposure in the NFL. What he didn't give him was a dessert.
5: This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> poor, poor
1: Alex Pearson. <laughs> He has to know his name by now,
2: right?
0: We have Matt Ryan. He's playing the
3: hits right.
2: right now. That's all we're doing. Big okay. three. In First my opinion, that's the other night. <laughs> Okay. Matt Ryan is out for this week. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we round it out with a bobcat for
1: good taste Rawr, here? <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't have the bobcat up? I don't up. Have one handy. I never pull, well, no. uh, it's Friday. It's the last hour and a half of the week. It's, like I've only it's, been the, it's at the top of my like,
3: YouTube watch list my wife's always like what is this bobcat sound <laughs> please the- stay
0: with us fine whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you
4: 90 minutes here coming up <laughs> we've got an updated
2: uh over under win loss for the colts this season you guys care to throw a stab at it boy what was it at the beginning of the year was nine and a half
1: i'll put it now at seven
3: seven and a half
2: we got nine games to go is that right three four and one
3: boy uh, yeah i'll put it at seven i was going right around there so i'll seven and a half Vegas says six and a half. Here's the thing. If you look at
1: where they're going to get them, okay, the remaining schedule, you've got at New England. So I'm going to name a game, Kevin, and you tell me one that you go, yeah, they should be favored or you would be surprised if they don't win it, okay? At New England. (coughs) At Las Vegas. Philadelphia at home. Pittsburgh at home. Favored. Yeah, that's one right there, right? Um, At Dallas, at Minnesota, the Chargers at home, at the Giants, Texans at home.
2: Yeah, they're favored in two of those, right? Probably.
5: Steelers and Texans? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
2: Now, Now one of these next two, I mean, these are doable. At New England, at Las Vegas. Those are two teams right in the same range as you...
3: Currently in the AFC. One not being your Super Bowl pick, though. Okay, Correct on that. Hey, Raiders about to get hot. <laughs> I, I always forget this.
1: Kevin, I'm going to pick your brain on your memory of the way things worked. Or the way things work. What are the rules in terms of flexing Monday night games? Or the Monday night games set in stone? I thought
2: they were unflexible, the Monday night games. Okay. Okay. That I always forget which it is. Is it Sunday night that's flexible? I believe so. Now, would they flex Colts Cowboys? I would think they'd want to keep the Cowboys. (laughs) Well, no. What I was
1: thinking is Steelers Colts.
2: Steelers still a good national draw though, even when they're bad. I I think they are. But Monday after Thanksgiving, that one. You know that particular week.
1: I mean, when you're talking about Monday night matchups, I mean you have Rams Chiefs that week.
2: Yeah, I think Monday is untouchable. You have
1: Chargers-Cardinals that week. I mean, both of those are automatically better matchups, right? Cincinnati and Tennessee is that week as well. All of those are better matchups than Pittsburgh-Indianapolis.
3: Frank Reich was chatting earlier in the week. and It says in the new agreement, by the way, that there will be, like the new broadcasting agreement, they will be able to flex Monday night games. But that's I don't know not if that goes into effect this in, season, right? I don't know if that goes into effect okay. in 2022.
2: Doesn't that seem a little bit odd, like you're going to take a, an entire day, you're going to move it off an
3: entire day? How much heads up do you have to get for that one? Because usually exactly. I think for Sunday night games alone, it's like 10 days. Yeah, here for planning are the, purposes, By the way, a big deal. Here are the Thanksgiving Day matchups.
1: Usually there's a Thanksgiving Day matchup that's a big woof, right? Aren't the Bills playing? Buffalo at Detroit. New York, that's the Giants. At Dallas, that's actually a pretty good game, right? Great game. Mm-hmm. New England at Minnesota.
3: Wow. Not bad. That's
2: I mean, think about the teams they're adding in. You know,
3: Buffalo, the Giants, and the Vikings. Well, I guess Vikings and Patriots. Yeah, those are three pretty good fits. The ability to flex Monday night games will go into effect next season.
1: Okay.
2: That'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
1: Who was the third team? You know, obviously the Lions and the Cowboys are staples on Thanksgiving. When they started going to the third game, wasn't it Atlanta
2: that was usually involved or am I I think it was the
3: Falcons or the Saints
2: were the first
1: ones
3: okay. that got the first couple games yeah. but that's
2: only been a few years right yeah. yeah the night game has not been that now next year we'll get the Black Friday game 3 o'clock really mm-hmm that'll be an Amazon Prime Friday game Frank Reich was saying earlier in the week I think it was you know a little bit of trying to hype his team up trying to state that at 3-4-1 and one, still the midway point of the season. You're not that far off. Um, He was referencing the Colts have only been beaten soundly by one team. Um, Truth to that, reason for optimism with that, a guy trying to save his job. I think
1: think Frank Reich's a really nice guy, and I think he's probably a good football coach. I, I, I think at this point we can say, that Frank Reich is a keep-your-hands-on-the-wheel coach if you've got a team that is humming along. You know, Jim Caldwell was like this. You know, Jim Caldwell took over a a team, Kevin, that was built and and established and knew what they were doing, and, you know, he was a really good guy at keeping it and, and a good football coach. But he didn't have to reinvent anything. I think what we've learned about Frank Reich is he's probably more Jim Caldwell than he is innovator. And so at this point, I think Frank Reich is probably talking himself into optimism in areas where that
3: optimism is not applicable. Frank Reich is the guy you want to have as your neighbor. Like a guy you're like, if I need like some sugar, I need to borrow a power tool, he's the guy I want. I don't know if you necessarily want him as your football coach, though.
2: Someone d- mentioned this to me yesterday. And I have, this thought had never crossed my mind before, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, hmm, maybe that could happen. And I have no zero ounce of, you know, behind the scenes info to even believe this. But could Frank Reich retire at the end of the season? Yeah, why not? I mean, he's got enough money. right I mean, anybody can retire at any time, right? Well, yeah, money, honestly, wasn't what I was thinking of. Clearly, he's not a football lifer. I mean, he... He, he has other interests, you mean? He, he stopped playing and became a minister. Right. You know, it's not like this dude is going to be 79. He's not going to be Tom Mora. He's 79 years old. Right. And you're like, Tom Howard Mora Morden. on Arizona's coaching staff right now, or yeah. well, he's with Tampa Bay right now. You know, is there kind of a mutual, like, hey, I just, this was too much for me this season. I, you know, I didn't, the owner intervened at times. I didn't want to see him intervene. I had to fire Marcus Brady. I didn't really want to do that. I don't know, maybe he did want to do it. But could you just get to the end of the year and say, well I guess the better question My Kevin. My first would grandson be, just got born, you know, all, all these grandkids are around right. me. I'm sixty years old. Again, I'm not a football lifer. I I have again zero ounce to believe that from a behind the scenes, but someone brought it up and I was like, you know what? Maybe. The better question would not better,
1: but another question would be this. If Frank Reich were to decide exactly what you're talking about. I'm not saying retire, but let's say that Frank Reich – let's say he's not fired. Let's say Frank Reich and Jim Mersey sit down and he just says, you know, I, I like the coaching thing, but but being the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, just it's not a fit for me right now. And they mutually agree to part ways. Where is his next job?
2: Part of me thought he's got ties to the area. What about Carolina? As a head coach or as a coordinator? Mm. Yeah, that's what that's what I don't know. A position coach. I I mean, would you want to go from a head coach to a position coach? Like, do you do you love the game that much? Chuck Pagano did it, didn't he? Well, he went. Was he coordinator, right? But I think before that,
1: wasn't he? Mark looked that up. I thought when he went to Chicago first, he was like defensive backs coach, and then became coordinator. I could be wrong in that. I thought he had one year at a position coach level.
2: I mean, Chuck, obviously, some health reasons behind totally his again. early retirement, but I don't know. Some guys just aren't football. And if you have the extension through 2026, 2025, to your point about finances, again, I don't think that would be necessarily the top of the list.
3: What was your but, question, Jake, about where his first NFL job was at? No, his. so you're right. He did go straight to coordinator.
1: I was thinking he was with – that he was a position coach for like a year in Chicago before he was elevated, but they did bring him in as a coordinator.
2: Is was he it, out for a year and then he was a coordinator? Is yes, that what it was he that's took correct. That's off? right. Is
1: is Jim Caldwell, by the way, the most forgotten good head coach in Indianapolis pro sports? I mean, was he, he like born on third base? Bob Hill, I, I, kind of, but I, if you ask people. If you just stopped people on the street right now in Indianapolis and said, all right, knee-jerk answer, I need your just, boom, without thinking about it, head coach of the Colts when they lost the Super Bowl to the Saints, go. Right. How many people are like, oh, Jim Caldwell? As opposed
2: to, wait a minute, was that Dungy? Was that, you know what I mean? You know what makes me think Jim Caldwell is a better coach he, than he gets credit for? The it's fact his, that he took Detroit to the playoffs? It's his Detroit resume. No question. N- not just that one year, Jake. Look at the full Detroit resume. If one of you can pull that up. What Jim Caldwell did with the Detroit Lions didn't he have a 500 record there? Compared to what anyone else has done with that franchise, is beyond
3: remarkable. In 2014, they went 11 and five. 2015, seven and nine. 2016, nine and seven. 2017, nine and
2: seven. He had three of the four seasons above 500 with the Lions. Yeah. I mean, and look at the list of Lions seasons. I how many? Thirty six and fi- twenty eight. How many over 500 seasons have the Detroit Lions had in the last 30 years? (laughs) (laughs) And does Caldwell have 80% of them?
1: You know, when I was a freshman in college, I was coming home for some sort of a break. I guess it would have been probably winter break. And I boarded an airplane as they were kicking off the NFC Championship game between the Washington Redskins then... And the Detroit Lions, and I was on the plane for the flight, and of course this was pre, you know, cell phone, Wi-Fi, whatever else. And we land, and they got blown out. The Lions did, and I was like, "Whoever would have guessed that I missed out on the opportunity of seeing the last moment of significant,
3: a significant football game of the Detroit Lions thirty years ago." Since they got rid of him, they've gone six and ten. Three and twelve, five and eleven, three and thirteen, and they're off to a one and six start this year. So they've won seventeen games since he left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, further to, to that point,
2: since two thousand and one, they've had four seasons of better than five hundred. Caldwell had three of them. God, some of these coaches: Bobby Ross, Steve Mariucci, Rod Marinelli. Jim Schwartz didn't Jim Schwartz and Jim Harbaugh get into it? Yeah, <laughs> that was one. Shook my hand too hard. <laughs> That's right. How great was that? That's right. I want to see that scene again. We need Harbaugh in the NFL. Well, Jim Har. If Frank Reich is not here, will Jim Harbaugh be on the coaching candidate list? Of- of oh, he'll absolutely be mentioned.
1: Absolutely be mentioned. What would he do? It I don't know, but he'll be mentioned for sure. But he's a Harbaugh's an odd duck, man. He's not an odd duck in the, like, he's just an, he's, it is one of the most bizarre, can you imagine, speaking of Thanksgiving, it's a little tiresome, you know, you got the turkey, the trip the fans kicking in, you got the third, you know, you've already watched the Lions get beat, the Cowboys is just kind of, uh, then the third game, I guess this year it's decent with the Patriots and Vikings, but it's Saints-Falcons most years it's kind of exhausting it's been a long day you're you're planning maybe you're shopping for the next day is the, but can you imagine anything with all of that as part of thanksgiving that would be more exhausting than watching jim harbaugh and with tom crean at the harbaugh family thanksgiving dinner
2: oh crean's crean's the bellboy.
1: I mean Crean's pacing back and forth mm-hmm, and yeah. clapping and Jim Harbaugh's
2: like running Kreen's around cleaning dishes, angry at John
1: Harbaugh cause the handshake at the door was too aggressive and Mrs. Crean
2: just... kind of intimidates me.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Now she's a Harbaugh, right? Isn't that the Yes, she is. So Tom Crean's wife is well, Joni Harbaugh, isn't that her name? Sounds right. That's just gotta be and furthermore, like, does Tom Crean get a word. In at that, or is he like the yeah man? Like you're the you're the you're just the in law like over there. Like does he sit at the kids table, or is he at the main table?
2: And or does he even is, sit? Is I he guess back that's as a, a college question. basketball analyst? Does, I, I I really hope. I mean, it's all seriousness. I hope he's back as an analyst. I thought he did a nice job. He's
3: very good. Jim would probably want to sit at the kids table. <laughs> You think so? Probably.
2: Well, he, he can't Probably get those his, khakis dirty. I just dirty. get the
1: impression Jim wouldn't want to sit at the kids' table if Tom's sitting there.
3: Yeah, he's too much of an alpha. Totally. This guy keeps not eating all his peas. I don't know that Tom Crean sits down. I think
1: he just walks, like, paces furiously back and forth with nervous energy awaiting mm-hmm. like the bell to ring on the, the, the temperature timer of the turkey and whatever else.
5: Settle down just a little bit.
2: Exa- that's exactly right. He's got the Dasani water filled with his lift off. He's
5: counting deflections. Needs
2: IU, nice goes time. around
1: and kisses everybody at the table just very awkward
2: i you rolled last night in their exhibition a lot of balance on that offense a lot of balance and saint francis i thought they were d1 is that a different saint francis isn't there a saint francis aren't there like three in every state that sounds right <laughs> you know what i mean i remember
1: saint francis one year had a college basketball slam dunk champion during final four weekend some dude from in saint really francis. yeah i think it's a school like in the center grove district too did like a
2: windmill dunk yeah. Uh, Matt Taylor joins us in about 10 minutes.
0: Uh, eight mi- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Interesting point made and a good one on Twitter. Hard to say that Frank Reich, that you can put everything on him because of the fact that he's had to play with basically or coach with a different quarterback every year. There's probably some truth to that. Can you fully assess who and what he is when he's having to to come up with new wrinkles every year, Kevin?
2: I think that is a good point. Um, A counter would be him and Chris Ballard at some level have agreed with that plan. And Frank Reich was the one that wanted Carson Wentz.
3: The Carson Wentz part is big, right? So, And Nick Foles, right? Nick Foles wouldn't be here without Frank Well, Reich. yeah, but I mean, Nick Foles was not coming here to be your starter. Um, now,
2: at, to that point, I also think there was some disagreement. I think the quarterback we saw last night on Thursday Night Football was one that Frank Reich had some interest in, and yes, it was. that's not come to fruition.
1: I would say that, uh, and I have my questions about Jalen Hurts, but, man, so far, so good. <laughs> Needless to that, say. that
2: offense, I mean, I couldn't believe how wide open A.J. Brown, Dallas Cotter, those two guys in particular were at various times last night. That offense, um, they've got a ton of skill there, and their defense is very underrated. Isn't it ridiculous to think
1: that you had Tula, Jalen Hurts, and Mac Jones in the same college <laughs> quarterbacking room? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's like the one position that you feel like Alabama hasn't had a ton of compared to what they usually do. Um, I was thinking back to last year's Colts-Patriots game and just how dominant Jonathan Taylor was. At that point of the season, he had gone 11 straight games scoring a touchdown. What is Taylor? How many touchdowns does Taylor have this year? Boy. I... Two, I mean, they had
1: well. Let's go so far as to say this: they had a fourth and goal from the two and didn't trust to give it to him. Right? I'm not saying him,
2: but now again, he's had two big fumbles in opponent territory in these last two home games that have been critical. Did you look that up, Mark? Yeah, he's got one
3: rushing touchdown.
2: I think we're halfway through the season now. I mean, he has missed two games, but still, it's just
3: last one year, touchdown entirely, because he's not a receiving one either. So one touchdown total.
2: 11 straight games to the touchdown. I think it was the first time since like Ladanian Tomlinson in 04 had done that. And again, that New England game, the Saturday night game, all the hype around that. You had the Crossroads Classic games, then everybody inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. What an environment. I mean, Carson Wentz couldn't throw it from me to you, Jake. And you leaned on Taylor. Your linebackers are great. You blocked a punt. EJ Speed score a touchdown um he had a big lead that was kind of a crazy game Michael Pittman got ejected remember that that's right well Pittman's had a loose few or a, a short
1: fuse in several games yeah right? I thought that was
2: kind of an unfair ejection if I remember correctly but um I'm yeah, not saying
1: Jonathan Taylor is in this category As a matter of fact he's not Jonathan Taylor is not in this category but is there a position in the NFL that is more flash in the pan at times than running back Guys that have like a two or three year just like holy cow. And then they just go I mean Priest Holmes, Sean Alexander. I mean, look at the Colts practice squad, Philip Lindsay. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mike Anderson. Guys that
3: have these big years and then everybody gets excited about it. And then it's like, what happened to that guy? What's I feel like you don't need to pay running backs, you know, top dollar money. Like I think we talked about the other day, I gotta bring Jonathan Taylor back. They're gonna sign to a big deal. I'm like, do they have to though? I'm not going there,
1: Marcus. When I mentioned that that was something worth exploring if you're the Colts, people absolutely killed me for it.
3: You're on your mind. You got money tied up in left guard, uh middle linebacker and running back. How about center? Yeah, center too.
2: Who's not living up to his contract close to it at all. Yeah, Zach Moss the new linebacker or the new running back. He did practice yesterday coming over from Buffalo. More of kind of a power runner, supposed to be a good pass protector, but don't think Naheem Hines Shiftiness out of the backfield. Anything like that. Third round pick out of Utah a few years ago. The cousin of not Randy, but Santana
6: Moss.
1: Santana Moss, uh, one of Reggie Wayne's best friends, right? Sounds right. Uh, Matt Taylor is the voice of the Colts. He's also our next guest. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, the fan.
2: Yeah, The trip to Foxborough, maybe not one that a lot of people look forward to. I'm going to guess that Matt Taylor does, because if I remember correctly, the radio view for Matt Taylor coming up on Sunday afternoon, it's got to rank close to the top and the best views in the NFL, although, and Matt Taylor joins us now, Maytay, to get to the old radio uh, press box for you, don't you have to venture through the crowd at Foxborough?
6: Yeah, the radio booths and the television uh, compound, if you will, is separate from the press box and you do have to walk in the concourse area to get there it's detached from the press box it's actually on a different level it's lower it's 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 exactly how you said it's just high enough not low enough where you don't see where you what you need to see but you do.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
4: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling one 800 411 That's one 800 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
6: You have to walk among the fans, and if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go out in the concourse area. And so you have to be strategic because... You know, you're going to be wearing your Colts polo, mm-hmm. your Colts, their yeah. Colts hoodie, you know, so you have to be strategic on, you know, where you where you go, how many people are seeing you, if it's, you know, time of the game, you know, going out at the halftime, it's not going well like it's, yeah you know, that, that's that's been the case in the past. You know, I remember going out at halftime of a uh, divisional round game where the Colts were down and, and, and taking some heat verbally. Um, and it's all, for the most part, all in good fun. Uh, but yes, it is. In my opinion, one of the best radio booths in the NFL, and I know no one cares about this, but it's a good vantage point. It's low, but not too low, and it's wide. So you have you know plenty of area to kind of spread out and, and, and be comfortable. So, yes, I from that standpoint, I'm very much looking forward to the game. But, well,
2: Jake, you know what Matt Taylor probably hopes he hears around 4 o'clock tomorrow would be this.
5: This is one of the darkest days in Boston sports history. <laughs> You know, uh,
2: walk <laughs> walking back to the buses after the game, maybe. You know, I, hey, I, I know Matt. It's
1: like calling the Indy 500. You got to be strategic on those pit stops, if you know what I mean, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. you know, <laughs> oh, you got exactly. you got to hope somebody realizes what's going on, and they're like, clear it out. This guy's got like two minutes.
2: <laughs> see, people actually want to see you, Jake. They don't want to see Matt Taylor and Fox. I mean, that. understood. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> definitely the case, Matt. I asked Kevin this earlier. I'll ask it to you, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, who's on the Payless Liquors hotline. Is this a is this game a fork in the road for the Patriots and Colts in terms of the direction of the two franchises and where they take their season, depending on the result of this Sunday, or is it too early to say that?
6: No, I, I, I'm i with you. I agree with that, especially for the Colts. I mean, this is this has been a big last couple of two weeks. I mean, it's and there's been a lot thrown at this team, you know, with the change of quarterback and just the magnitude of that with uh you know, going from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger and then a change at the offensive coordinator position, which is not a light move. I mean you're talking about in terms of the hierarchy of the coaching staff. I mean obviously Marcus Brady the offensive coordinator, that that's pretty high up there. And then you trade one of your top three playmakers on offense. Um this this is going to be interesting to see how this team responds to that, especially this week with on Tuesday with those two big you know points of news coming out. Um so I, I do think they're big deals and I'm, I'm very eager to see how this team responds because they are at a fork in a road because they've lost their last two um, and they've made internal changes. They've decided to go a different direction with the trade in Naeem Hines and kind of what that means for the future. Um, and I don't pretend to really understand the ins and outs of that on, on why they made that decision, but all I know is they did make that decision and he's not here, and now you have to scheme up how to move the football without... You know, one of your loose play gadget guys that was so productive for you at times with big plays, you know, on jet sweeps or lining him up on the slot and, and having him capitalize on with catches on linebackers and safeties and things like that. So I do think this is a fork in the road game for the Colts, not only internally and psychologically, but with, with nine games to play, we forget there's still nine games to go. I mean, you still have half of the season left. And for the Patriots, they're 4-4, four and four, and it sounds crazy, but it's true. I mean, they're only one game out of the playoffs right now, right? So, I mean, there's there's still a ton of parity in this league, and there's still a lot of football to be played. So it's it's really not hyperbole or cliche to say that the Colts still have a chance and they can go on a run if they make a push, but obviously they got to start playing better football, and they're doing it with a different quarterback now. They're doing it with a slightly – you know, change up or at least a different dynamic in the coaching staff on offense without Marcus Brady. So from that standpoint, I'm very excited for this game, and I'm I'm anticipating, um, you know, hopefully some good things happening on the offensive side of the ball after some sluggishness after eight games.
2: Uh, Our coverage will begin at 10. Again, kickoff at 1. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Mate, I want to look at the injury report on both sides, um, if you will, with us here on this Friday morning ahead of the final practice of the week. Uh, Obviously, no Jonathan Taylor so far this week. No Dennis Kelly. Those are big injuries to watch. But I look at New England's side, and I'm looking at, is that four offensive starters they could be without? on Sunday with some of those guys that haven't practiced this week
6: yeah I saw Marcus Cannon's banged up but they list Isaiah Wynn as their starter at right tackle and he's missed some time earlier this season but Cannon started last
2: week but yeah Wynn has started this season
6: yeah so it's kind of like three three and a half depending on how you look at it but that's notable for an offense
2: that struggled this season
6: yeah, no doubt about it. And, and both teams have really been, you know, they've they've killed the, the, you know, themselves with turnovers. I mean, both teams are tied for uh, second to last in the NFL and, and turnovers on offense. It's interesting. The Patriots are even on the season. They're they're tied for for second to last in turnovers on offense, and they're first in the NFL in takeaways on defense. Um, so they're they're a net even in the turnover margin because of that. Obviously, the Colts have not been as as fortunate in the turnover margin. They have, obviously, more turnovers on offense than they do takeaways on defense. Um, but, yeah, Mac Jones, obviously, having a little bit of an up-and-down season. The completion percentage has been okay. Passer rating not so so good um, since returning a couple weeks ago from from an injury. He missed three games. Um, you know, the ground game for New England has been better as of late. Um, it's kind of deceptive. You know, their overall numbers are not going to wow you, but they have been over 100 yards in five straight games here with uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Um, And then Damian Harris uh, has an an illness, and I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday, and he's a guy to watch because he is dynamic with the football in his hands. Um, So injury report-wise, definitely a storyline going into this game, um, specifically with players on offense for both teams.
1: The quarterback position, Matt, Matt Taylor's our guest. You know, we've seen in the past, and I think teams truly feel this way, when you have a young quarterback – that is trying to get his footing there's you have to be very delicate with it because if you go too far of a quarterback in a bad getting in bad situations there's like an irreversible mental thing that happens to them that they just can't get out of david carr comes to mind with this is the same true of left tackle if bernard Ryman's going to be put in there almost by default and they just rip off the mandate and say go Is there a danger or a risk in putting him there too early, Matt, like there is sometimes at the quarterback position? Or can he learn on the fly and become an Anthony Costanzo long-term, you know, pillar on the line?
6: Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I think the Colts, you know, they drafted him where they did for a reason, and they have aspirations and goals for him to be that cornerstone left tackle of the future. And I get what you're saying because, you know, in his first start on a short week, uh, playing left tackle against the Denver Broncos. Obviously, it was rocky. I mean, he had, I think, four total penalties. One was declined, so three that were accepted. Um, and then the next week, he played, I think, 11 snaps against the Jaguars, got to start again at left tackle, but then after about 11 snaps, was supplanted by Dennis Kelly. And I think that spoke more to how well Kelly played more so than anything from, from Bernard Ryman. Um, so from that standpoint, I I see it both ways, but I'm a big believer, same thing with quarterbacks. If you draft a guy high and you think he's going to be your franchise quarterback, or in this case for Bernard Ryman, your franchise left tackle, I'm a, I'm a big believer in just baptism by fire and you're going to have to have some growing pains and, and get those mistakes out early. and, And hopefully, you know, you, you have some huge dividends by the end of this season, and next season and beyond when he's a polished, true, again, cornerstone left tackle for you as a staple on the offensive line.
2: Okay, Matt Taylor is with us, the voice of the Colts. Uh, Maytay, I was um, looking at some Sam Ellinger numbers a little bit closer um, from Sunday, and I thought Ellinger had a nice – Nice performance. I'm sure a little bit of that is me grading on a curve for his first start. Um, but I feel like with you know Jake's algebra r- right now, numbers have been a little bit more prevalent mm-hmm. on the show. Um, so hear me out on these, okay? Ellinger was yeah. over 70, I think it was over 73% on Sunday. His passer rating was, I think, just above 100. And the yards per attempt... Was just above eight point seven. Those are like really important metrics the Colts pay attention to, and I think any team pays attention to in evaluating quarterback. If you look at those numbers, that those numbers have only happened twice since Andrew Luck retired, just before the start of the twenty nineteen season. Philip Rivers did it once. Carson Wentz did it once. Wow! When you look a little closer at Ellinger's performance, and sure, when Paris Campbell takes a screen for 38 yards, that obviously helps you out. But that was like a really efficient day throwing the football, in particular for a guy making his first career start.
6: Yeah, and one of the big, and that's that's amazing. Um, And I might have to steal that by the way. I'll have to double check that, but I'm going to steal that at 50. Check my work, certainly. Yeah, (laughs) no, I'm not. I'm not doubting you, but. And another thing that stood out to me from his performance was the Colts only threw it 23 times. Now I know they, you know, that they'd only scored 16 points, but the Colts prior to Ellinger's start last week had been averaging about 40 attempts per game. And so they, they were more productive in the running game. Um, They were more efficient because of the big plays. I mean, I think the Colts had four plays over 25 and seven plays over 15. So when you have more explosive plays, you have shorter drives, right? You, you move the your ball down the field faster. The problem is that the Colts just had they had six possessions inside the commander 30, and they only scored one touchdown. So you still have offensive inefficiencies and turnovers, right? You had two fumbles lost inside the 20-yard line, which were just absolute killers. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. I think the NFL, I talked about this yesterday, I think with Dan. I mean, the NFL put out a stat the other day where, you're right. Ellinger played great statistically, with you know over seventy percent completion percentage, over a hundred passer rating. I think he's only the second quarterback in the last twenty years to put those types of numbers up in his first career start and lose. I think the other one, ironically, was Mac Jones last year, uh, his first career start as a rookie um, with New England. So um, from that standpoint, it was disappointing that the defense couldn't hold. And you still have just. These, these back-breaking turnovers at inopportune times, especially in plus territory when you're so close to scoring points. Yeah, I mean, even even one of those drives last week, if you just get a field goal on one of those drives, I mean, you win the game, obviously. I mean, everything gets looked at and amplified when you lose by one at 17-16. to 16. Um, But I think you're right. To drive home the point, Kevin, I think you're right. Sam Ellinger did some really good things. He helped the running game. Jonathan Taylor has been over five yards per carry in each of the last two games. Now, I don't know if he's going to play this week. Obviously that's a huge storyline today on the injury report. Um, But I think theoretically you have a lot you can build around and be happy about through four quarters of play from Sam Ellinger.
1: Matt, when you look at, and I asked Kevin this earlier, uh, Matt Taylor's our guest, the voice of the Colts on the Payless Liquors Hotline. In terms of Sam Ellinger, have they are they giving him full access to the playbook in terms of what they're doing schematically, or are they simplifying a little bit while he gets his feet wet?
6: I think both. I think both. I think I think they're obviously. I think last week they spent a lot of hours tailoring the offense to his skill set and and having that hopefully you know help the running game, which I think it did in a small sample size through one game. But I think that you're going to see the game plan on Sunday be a little bit bigger than it was last week because of they, they saw what Sam could do. They saw what he could handle. Um, but they're, they're always going to play to his strengths, if you will. But I think week by week, the game plan is going to grow a little bit or at least the selection of plays they can dial up for Sam will grow as he gets more experience and as they get more comfortable with him. Um, so I, I don't think you would have said that last year. You know, certainly in training camp as a rookie, when when so much is being thrown on his plate um, right away. But I think with his IQ, uh, with his just football intelligence, and because of his you know uh, improved arm strength and velocity on his throws, I, I, I'm, I, I think it's safe to say that the, the the playbook you know with with Frank Reich in its entirety is at its full disposal there with Sam Ellinger as, as his quarterback.
1: I'm under the belief, Matt, that from an offensive line standpoint. You gotta have a good line, obviously, you know, especially with a young quarterback to, to allow him to, to see things. But from an offensive line standpoint, I'm under the school of thought that I almost would rather have five guys that might not be as highly touted as five guys elsewhere, but if they are playing together with continuity and can get familiar with each other on the line, that's where your strength is. And the, no matter how good your line might be in terms of the individual parts, you can't find any stability if you are constantly rotating in and out because it is the unit that is the most critical in terms of unity across the board. What say you?
6: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean you always hear all the time about You got to have five as one. I mean, every offensive line coach in America will, will stress that you, you got to have five guys acting as one unit and communication and reading keys and interpreting, you know, line stunts. Those, those things are huge. And I mean, we've seen it all year long. If you, if you just got one guy on among those five breaking down on a play, it screws the whole play up. I mean, Colts have had free blitzers and they haven't picked up stunts and twists at the line of scrimmage. Um, consistently this season. I mean, obviously that's led to, you know, the high pressures and the 26 sacks taken. In um, the Colts, Kevin, maybe you can double-check me on this. I, I think it's, what, five different offensive line combinations in the starting lineup this year?
2: Sounds right, so yeah. I mean, yeah, nine guys yep. here through eight weeks of start of yeah, the O-line. Three.
6: Sure, I mean, so when you have that, and it's maybe going to play out again on Sunday with, with Dennis Kelly's injury and Bernard Ryman potentially starting at left tackle, um, that that's so important. I mean, a guy like Quentin Nelson has had a handful of different left tackles. He's had to deal with the center to his right. You know, Danny Pinter has had to play some same thing on the right side with Braden Smith. He's got a new guy to his left every single week, seemingly. um So no, there's there's so much to that, Jake. You're exactly right. And you know that that is one of the the I think the cliches of football that is so true. People get tired of hearing it, but. You know, offensive line continuity—five guys playing as one. Um, you know, the, the less you talk about the offensive line, the better it is. You know, it's sort of like I always use that that analogy of like the mom in the stands at the high school football game. You know, if a, a mom of an offensive lineman, she is just praying that people are not talking about her son. Same right. thing like with a corner. Like if if a cornerback is not talked about, it means he didn't get beat deep on a on a go route. So. Um, those are the things the Colts are trying to get back to, continuity and fluidity, or not fluidity, but, but just consistency and, and communication up front like they had in 2018 and 2019. Matt,
1: to your point, man, I have always said, in your job as the voice of the Colts, and my job in calling the Indy 500, offensive linemen are to you what rookies in the Indy 500 are to me. The less you and I are saying their names, the better day they're oh. having.
6: Oh, Yeah. Yep. I mean, nine times out of ten, the only times I'm talking about an offensive lineman are if a guy gets beat on a sack, you know, where did the pressure come from? He beat so-and-so off the edge right side, and then a penalty. You know, like, yeah, okay, there's the penalty. It's a false start. That's that guy's fifth false start penalty this year, or whatever the case is. So you're exactly right. For a play-by-play guy, nine times out of ten, if you bring up an offensive lineman, it's a bad thing. Now, we try to reverse that. We try to do the best we can. You know, if Jonathan Taylor rips off a 30-yard run, You try to give props to the hole that he that he went through and, and who it was created by. Um, but, yes, that's typically the life of an NFL offensive lineman.
2: I think last week, right, it was a season low in penalties, but all three were on offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken, three penalties for the Colts last week. Mate, I'll, I'll end with this. Um Assuming Jonathan Taylor does not go, and we'll have to see obviously what happens in today's practice. Would you assume Deion Jackson is the lead back? And then, kind of going off that, could you give us a little background on a new Colt running back, Zach Moss?
6: Yeah, um, I, I, that would be my assumption. It would be Dion Jackson, and I'm not sure if it would be Zach Moss. I don't know definitively. I just think it yeah, could call up Lindsey on the active roster. Right? He's on the active roster. I, I think that might be a tall order for him to come in and, and get, you know, whatever the case is five, six carries on, you know, three days of familiarity inside this offense. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I just don't know if it will. Um, I think he's the type of guy that can come in and be able to do it and handle it. Um, but, you know, they, I guess what I'm getting is the Colts have options with Jordan Wilkins, and he, he knows this offense like the back of his hand despite being gone for basically a year, you know, he was released by the Colts this time last year and now he's back, but he spent four years in the system, um, you know, under Frank Reich drafted in the fifth round in, in 2018 out of Ole Miss. And they also have Phillip Lindsay, who's played a couple of games this year, activated off the practice squad. So they do have options, but I think it's safe to say that the assumption is that Deion Jackson would be the first running back if Jonathan Taylor doesn't play. And then after that, that's that's an interesting question, and I don't know if we'll have the answer to that until about Sunday, about uh, about twelve thirty before the kickoff.
1: I just like Deion Jackson because he plays seemingly Matt every snap at a high energy. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's the best player, right? But like that dude just seems to—he's like an energizer bunny. I, you know, I mean, one game, I, I get it. Like, it's not like we're sitting here watching him week to week to week. But mm-hmm. you, I, I love a guy like that. His number is called, and that guy was flat out ready.
6: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he capitalized on his opportunity. There's no question about that. And, you know, I think that's what this league is all about. You're just a handful of plays away every single week, and you got to be ready. And if you're not, you miss your chance, and then maybe your career's over because of that. And he can do everything. I think he's a good pass protector. He obviously hits, you know, the gaps very, very quickly. He runs hard. Uh, you know, he, he lowered his shoulder for that big boom a couple weeks ago against Jacksonville and got in the end zone. And he's caught every pass that's, that's come his way. I think he's got 15 or 16 catches on the season. He had 10 against Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago. So he's he's kind of a do-it-all back, and he definitely capitalized on his chance. And uh, that's why I think it, there, it would be a no-brainer. He would be the, the first-string running back if Jonathan Taylor doesn't go on Sunday.
2: Again, our coverage begins at 10 o'clock this Sunday. It is back-to-back road games for the Colts, too. Ends of the country, really, in Foxborough this week, and then their longest road trip of the year, Las Vegas, coming up next week. Maytay, safe travels and enjoy.
6: I appreciate you guys. Have a good weekend. All
2: right, that's Matt Taylor right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Pop quiz coming up. We are giving away a pair of tickets to
3: WWE next Friday night um, over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Are you going to that, Mark? Uh, not yet. I don't have tickets, but that might change. We'll see.
2: You've got them. You're just giving them away. Mark like goes in the bathroom, calls under an <laughs> alias. <laughs> hey, this is Vince McMahon.
1: Can I get tickets? I'm surprised you, you like you didn't lock in those tickets, like buy them for yourself like months ago.
3: Well, with three kids, I mean, you got to kind of you got to. got to take the girls, right? And maybe it'd be you well. Know, Night one out. Of them, one of them's been to a wrestling show before. She liked it. <laughs> One of them's been to a wrestling well, the, other show yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other two weren't born yet. Before.
2: Yeah. The other two weren't born yet.
5: was Times have changed now. There's, two, there's
3: three of them now running around. All right, let's hit a morning
5: checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: We'll get the baseball out of the way, so to speak, before we start talking about some local stuff. Houston last night, 3-2 over Philadelphia. That means the World Series is now, in fact, also three games to two, heading back to Texas where the Astros will try to close out Philadelphia with two games at home.
2: Thursday night football
1: last Mark, night. the
3: swoosh? I'm taking calls for
2: wrestling <laughs> tickets, man. Speaking of <laughs> I don't know yeah. You can't do two things at once? Speaking of Philly and Houston, I thought there for a second, we might get the first Eagles loss, but uh, in the second half, they pulled away 29-17. That is a win for the Eagles, undefeated. They did not cover, though, for those that care. 13-and-a-half was the line on that one. So now the Eagles will be at the Commanders next Monday night and then a short week. I'm into Lucas Oil Stadium. Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich. That will be a 1 o'clock game on November 20th. Uh, NBA action tonight. Pacers at the field has taken on the Miami Heat. There will be no Jimmy Butler. There will be no Victor Oladipo, correct? Correct. Uh, Chris Duarte, really nice performance on Monday in Brooklyn. Much needed for him. Here was Rick Carlisle earlier in the week on Duarte. uh, Finally having a big night.
5: Well, sometimes you come into your second year or your third year with certain... Expectations about, yeah, you know, I got a year under my belt. You know, I got this figured out. I mean, it it happens to anybody, and I, know, I don't know that that's what happened with him, but I just really loved his aggression ever since the Detroit game. You know, he's just been really – had been an aggressive pro on the floor. You know, he always works, works at both ends of the floor. He always wants to play the right way for his teammates, and, you know, it was good to see him really have a breakout.
2: 30 points for Duarte the other night. Said he made a kind of slight tweak to his shooting uh, motion there. And so uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on. No Aaron Neesmith tonight, but Isaiah Jackson uh, should be good to go as the Pacers take on the Jimmy Butler
6: heat.
2: Uh Pop quiz up next. And what do we have on the line here? Pop quiz up next. Again, a pair of tickets to WWE a week from Friday. It is freebie Friday, so Jiffy Lube oil change. We'll give our college football picks to round things out along with the Colts. It is a busy weekend college football-wise. Um, IU and Purdue both back in action after bye weeks and Notre Dame hosting Clemson. But right now it is time for the pop quiz. Again, a patchworked effort here by us i I
3: wrote out five questions you guys didn't use any of them you didn't give me any of them i got them right here well we got your second question right here which one there's about one. the Eagles player? I got one for you. That's Marks. I, I got one for you right there. Whoa, <laughs> <shit>. Well, <laughs> okay, that was, well not, was that necessary?
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I got up this morning at 5.30, got myself some coffee, still on the uh, Spanish time. You not
2: coffee at yeah. that hour. Oh, no,
1: yeah, sure. No, I'm on Spanish time, buddy. And so I got up and said, well, I'll just write a pop quiz and, and help the guys out because I'm a team player. And then I come in here and what happens? You guys just put together this Mickey Mouse pop quiz and here we go.
2: I walked in there at 6.55 and you had <laughs> pen to paper scratching some... Chicken I can scratch out. Right. Or just, just going with the with the special finger there. You're correct that I don't
1: drink coffee, but after my trip I know what both Venti and grande mean. So I've got that going for me. That's and about it. So you, you went s- to a Starbucks is what you're saying. I had to go to a Starbucks every morning when I was there.
2: And you said you got the all the All Saints figured out. I did, yeah, I figured that <laughs> out too. Yep. Uh, a little bit of everything on the pop quiz. We got some baseball, Phillies. Or uh, Eagles and Texans from last night, uh, some Colts, and Marcus throwing in the WWE question each day. I feel like I could could get this one, though.
3: Yeah, that one, it's not the hardest question. Yeah, okay. And then how would you describe number five? Uh, If you don't get that one, you need to probably, it's going to be a rough day for you. (laughs)
2: monday in particular would be rough right pop yes talk about jet lag pop quiz coming up next all right it is pop quiz time yeah i'd like to think question five is more of an educate question i mean that's what we do here you know i was cooking that up we certainly haven't entertained today so this morning uh, yourself man i figured it's very important to educate well it is and partly, I'll be a little selfish on this. Max's effort last night in sleeping was incredible. It was Jack Morris in game seven in the 90s. His effort earlier this week looked like Scott Tolzien in that first game against the Rams <laughs> a few years ago. So that 180 from Max, um, I was so happy. And now I'm thinking about, oh boy, what's going to happen Saturday night?
3: Are you talking about his sleep schedule or your sleep schedule after Clemson waxes Notre Dame? Jeez. you am just saying. You give the middle to uh, Jake listen, last I'm, segment, well, and to, then you go there? I have to, to, have to evenly distribute the figure. you get a flat tire on your way wow. to Lowell, Indiana well, I'll be today. driving with kids. That's kind of rude. I'm worried about the Clemson
2: game. Jake acts like Notre Very. Dame's going to win by 20. Very worried. Why? Notre Dame lost to Marshall and Stanford at home. I, I get it. Um, Clemson's coming off, you know, the they had a week can't off. Throw it from me to Mark. Well, Clemson's
1: quarterback plays very questionable. Um, mm-hmm. Their defensive line is good.
2: I don't know that stadium. That's a good point. They're just they're sticking with him, right? They're not benching DJ. Correct. I, I just
1: I, I don't know. I, I I don't. I almost obviously I want Clemson to win and it would really hurt to lose to Notre Dame, but it might kind of spare them being a sacrificial lamb if they were to get into the playoffs because they are not in the Georgia-Alabama-Tennessee level. I, it, Or, I mean, well, did I mention Ohio State? Ohio State's the best team in the country, so.
2: Hey, they almost lost when you were gone. How close was it? I saw the score. Well, but... Penn State had a lead with, what, like eight minutes to go, and the next thing you know, Ohio State just turned on the turbo and scored like I mean, three touchdowns in six minutes. <laughs> that's the thing about them, man. Wild. Nobody's going to touch Ohio State, man. Uh, Notre Dame Clemson, again, that'll be Saturday night. It's Indiana and Penn State. I think that's a <coughs> 330 kick in Purdue and Iowa. That's your slave. The Cardinals of Ball state chirp, chirp, already got a win this week with Maction on Tuesday night. All right, pop quiz time. Uh, mark a number one through eight. Let's
3: go with uh, number five, which is James. James, what's up? Uh, I'm doing well. How about you, fellas? James, you a big WWE guy? I uh, definitely was. Uh, watching here and there still. Who's uh, your favorite back in the day?
6: Uh, the Rock. Wow, that's going back. If we're going. Yeah, if we're going even further than that. Uh, Superfly, Jimmy Snooker.
2: <laughs> we need James in the building. I'm glad James is on the phone line. You're going to be rocking it next Friday night in Gainbridge.
5: Yeah, the last event I went to was when
6: um, the three guys turned heel. When Rollins, oh, I was at that and, one. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was at that James, one. James, you, you've so caught the program series. before, have you not, James? You are you mark a regular me to get
2: a couple of beers?
6: Yeah, are you a regular, uh, James? Big regular. I okay. went a lot.
1: Um, <laughs> wow. W- would you like to come to the PBR party?
6: Uh, I, I'm not turning down a PBR party.
1: <laughs> no no <laughs> okay. chance. Can't you, James, you are 21, correct?
6: Yes, I'm also known as uh, James liquor Man on uh, the YouTube Lounge and uh, the YouTube Chat. What, uh, what liquor store?
2: What's your what's your liquor of choice?
6: Uh, I'm a Scotch guy, so I'd go with the uh, uh, Glenlivet. Okay. Well,
2: Saturday night could get interesting for you. We'll, we'll we'll explain when we ask that question coming up here in a few. All
1: right, here we go, James. Would you like for me? That would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one. We'll go with you, Jake. Welcome back. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, When was the last time, as the World Series now heads back to Houston and the Astros will try to close it at home, when was the last time that the World Series was clenched by a team on their home diamond? Was it 2011, 2013, 2015, or 2019?
5: Just go
2: 2015. Okay. Just a tad earlier than that, James. Uh, 2013. Okay. 2013. There we go. All right. Number two Eagles moved 8 0 last night, 29 17 over the Texans. Four different Eagles scored a touchdown. Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, and who? Devontae Smith, Boston Scott, Quez Watkins, or Kenneth Gainwell?
5: Well, let's go with
4: Scott.
2: It was a run, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Scott? Uh, final answer. Okay, James, I'm going to give you a make good on this with
1: one of the questions that these guys blew off despite the fact that I wrote it at 5.30 this morning. Um, I'm just curious if you if you would get this one. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, the Eagles remain the NFL's lone unbeaten, but two teams have just one loss. Buffalo is one. Name the other. Is it the Cowboys, Vikings, Rams, or Chiefs? Vikings. Okay. Yeah, that's confident. So are we eliminating three? No, we- no, no, no. He, he's got... This is like college now. He's got the COVID year. He's got five to oh, get four. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Transfer four <laughs> six to get five, yeah.
2: Got it. All right. Uh, James, number three. Yes. Which Colt starter began his career with the Patriots? DeForest Buckner, Mo Alley Cox, Stephon Gilmore, or Kenny Moore?
3: Mo Alley. Okay. Mark? Uh, this is probably the easiest WWE question I've asked all week. Who is the current WWE SmackDown Women's Champion? Is it Liv Morgan, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, or Bianca Belair?
6: Uh, Morgan. Okay.
3: Well, not as easy as I thought, that.
2: All right, and the last one to round it out. Saturday night slash Sunday morning, we got daylight savings times. James, do we move our clock back one hour or push it forward one hour? <laughs> And I'm you know, this could affect your scotch. One more scotch or one less scotch on Saturday night. Or maybe it won't affect it.
3: I think it's I think it's ahead. Oh, oh no. Oh boy.
1: James, have you had any scotch this morning? I have not. Okay. What time will you be uh cracking your first scotch today?
5: Um I'm taking the kids to Applebee's for dinner, so uh oh. Um, probably right when I get home. Do they have scotch at Applebee's? They do, but I'll be driving, so I play that smart.
1: Totally appreciate that. That's cool. No problem with that whatsoever. I love Applebee's.
2: Um, Okay, let's see how James did
3: with this one. This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Mark, you seemed a little appalled. Well, I mean, we we thought the last one was a layup. Uh,
2: uh, When was the last time a World Series uh, team clinched the title at home? James pushed towards 2013. That is correct. It was the Red Sox or the Cardinals.
4: and Brown.
2: Four different Eagles scored a TD last night. Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. And the fourth one, the Jake Query question. He said Boston Scott. No, this was a Mark question. Oh,
3: I thought it was, yeah, a, this Jake was a question. Yeah, this was a me question. Sorry. No, it was Kenneth Gainwell.
1: Uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Oh. <laughs> <MVP. laughs> he was right about the vikings they are six and one kind of nobody's talking about it. he was confident with that one kenny moore was the cult player that began as a patriot a your R- wwe smackdown women's champion mark is ronda rousey and we actually fall back be sh- james be aware of that you spring forward but you fall back with the clocks I- i've got two That's questions here that i wrote you guys each want one of these sure we'll see how you do all right mark i'll give you this one you ready who currently leads the NBA in scoring at 36.6 points per game? Giannis, Luka Doncic, John Morant, or Kevin Durant? i would say
3: Giannis. Luka. Kevin is correct. It uh, is You Luka. stole my question, Kevin. Okay, well, Kevin, how, about, for you how about this
1: one for you, Kevin? Yes. 16 years ago tomorrow was the Colts' last win in New England. Oh, boy. Who had two touchdowns for the Colts that day? Reggie uh, Wayne, Joseph Adai, uh, Dallas Clark, or Marvin Harrison? Let's go with a die. Incorrect. Dallas Clark. Incorrect. Hmm. Marvin? Correct,
2: Marvin Harris. Was that him tipping the ball up to himself? I, that might have been Was that game. game. Yeah, that iconic moment, right? right um. Okay, well, I'll throw this to you. Is it 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. when the clock stops and we fall back? I have always said this.
1: Well, it's, okay, so you go from 1.59 to 1, right? Right, so you gain an hour, so theoretically Correct. James could have another scotch or two. I've always wondered this. In the spring, when you spring forward and you go from 1.59 to 3 a.m., if you got a speeding ticket and the cop erroneously wrote down two fifteen, could you challenge it and say "There's no way that's possible because there was no two fifteen on that date"? Oh, okay. I, I will see him. Nothing says you you are back in the saddle like <laughs> <fucking> like that. <laughs> this I'm, I'm serious. I've always
2: wondered about that. That hour didn't exist. How can you give me a ticket at yeah, two fifteen? There is no two fifteen. Sounds like something in the court of law would right. Be- you would have a
1: strong case there. Now I know this is going to stun you, Kevin. But when I was in college, three different times my license was suspended because I was hell bent on going and challenging it in court, and then I forgot the court date. <laughs> <And> then, uh,
2: <laughs> that does not shock me.
1: <laughs> if you go to court, the cop bunch show up, it gets thrown out. That's what I
2: always believed, and then I'd forget the court date, and then all of a sudden there's an extra hundred bucks. I think I'm approaching my one year uh, post ticket date. It's got to be coming up soon. We had, um, I guess this has been just before you and I started. Uh, I had like our bi-weekly meeting with our boss and I'm calling him on the way to the Colts Complex. I put in my headphones. My headphones just crap out halfway through. So I've got to literally put my phone up to the ear and I get pulled over for uh, not having hands-free driving. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I would. I'd try to explain it to him. I'm like, let's call my boss this and that. And he's like, yep, I don't care.
1: I got assigned defensive driving years ago. I haven't. Thankfully, now my driving record is spotless. But I had a big problem with speeding tickets for a long time. How many have you had in your life? Oh, man. Uh, 12, probably. Yeah, really? I think I've had three. My first one was 97. So I think that's what really screwed me. Because then they would pull up your driving record and they'd pull you over. Like, this guy's 97? He never learned his lesson. I got one, by the way, going 49 and a 45. Really? No. No way. Kid you not. I will. I also got one coming home from Bloomington. Um, I, I don't Same. Even, I got one. I don't know if I should say this on the air, but my <clears throat> my dad had had a heart attack, and I was driving from Bloomington to Indy and got pulled over and told the cop, kid you not, in Martinsville, listen, I I, I go to IU, my dad had a heart attack, I'm on to Mathis Hospital, and he said, you better tell your dad you're going to be late. And gave me a ticket, Unbelievable. true story. But anyway, so, I had defensive driving, and you had, at that time, this is when DVDs were still a thing, and you had to watch a DVD, you had to like go and rent a DVD and watch the defensive driving DVD and then answer questions to prove that you watched it, and literally... God, I'd rather 20, watch
2: Colt's Broncos uh, No again. doubt.
1: four-hour DVD, and 20 minutes before the end of it, it had a scratch, and it skipped, and you couldn't get to the end to find out, like, what color, you know, what color shirt was the instructor wearing? To, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know! That yeah, was awful.
2: See, a dilemma that I faced while well, this is when Max was born, um, I don't think I'd share this with you guys. So um, we we're supposed to go in for a Friday morning induction back, you know, Max is almost two months now, I guess. Uh, Maddie starts to have contractions at 1.30 in the morning on Thursday night. And all of a sudden, these contractions start to go from, like, Five minutes to like two minutes in a very short span in between. So we hop in the car and Maddie, I felt like I was in a movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, she is going to deliver this baby on Meridian on her way up to IU North. So now the dilemma in my head is, do I go 90? There's no cars out. Do I go 90, risk the potential of getting pulled over, or am I going 60, and hopefully, I won't get pulled over, but then maybe that extra 45 seconds to 90 seconds could be the difference between old Max coming in the parking lot or. I think you go with the first, right? So. I think you go for it because you know if you get pulled over and
1: say what's going on, know, you're going to get. but does, that,
2: does that delay the time? Uh, that's a good point. I win 80 all of a sudden i'm at like 86 meridian i look up at like 91st and i'm like w- that car looks like a cop car it was a cop car luckily it was way in front of me i slowed down to about 60 the cop car turned right on 96 we continued to go 80 and max is born 60 minutes later nice I felt like i was in a movie <laughs> that kind of, does sound like something yeah, out of a I movie feel like, like nicholas cage or something yeah, uh fast and furious uh
3: Indianapolis. At any point, did you say we got to steal the Declaration of Independence? <laughs>
2: <laughs> if I said that, Maddie would have uttered some phrases that I think you were trying to she do might have been your middle finger anyway, uh, a few minutes ago. probably. Um, all right, let's give our picks to round out the show.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: beautiful friday it is
4: gorgeous here in indy
2: some rain tomorrow it sounds like but i'm glad tonight will be good for sectional sectional finals
1: boy what a perfect night to go out and watch high school football right i feel like friday night's been pretty good this year weather-wise i mean tonight you know gonna be clear skies in the
2: mid to upper 60s just perfect purdue and indiana both both at home. Um, so we'll see what the weather looks like. Purdue is a three and a half point favorite over Iowa. That is a noon kick. And then Indiana, we'll see what they do at quarterback. They are a two touchdown underdog to Penn state. Boy, Indiana's pretty rough sledding here on out for Indiana. Just, I mean, as opposed to the first two months
1: of the year. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying like, uh, don't they have Ohio state still? Uh, Penn state, At Ohio State, at Michigan State, which is pretty winnable, and then Purdue. I mean,
2: that's
5: rough.
2: When's the last time you think the number one team of the nation has been a touchdown-plus underdog? That's what we got this weekend with Tennessee at Georgia. Georgia minus eight, one versus three.
1: You know, Georgia defensively, uh, I don't know that they're at the level they were last year defensively. It doesn't feel like Georgia – You know, Tennessee, I I don't know, man. I mean, because they beat Alabama at home, maybe people are still skeptical of them, even though obviously their resume is number one by the committee. I think Tennessee's pretty darn good, but Alabama probably is sitting back, like, all right, guys, knock each other out, and then we'll hang around and see what happens. Alabama's
3: got a big one at LSU tomorrow night. You say that Tennessee Georgia spread is eight? Mm -hmm. It's up to eight and a half now. It's climbing. Anybody that
1: says the SEC is not the best league in college football is out of their minds, right? Do people say that? Oh, I, hear, I mean, I hear people say the SEC is overrated. Oh, I'm
2: tired of the SEC bias. Uh, come on. I mean. Different animal. Anybody that was inside of Lucas Oil Stadium last year for the national title would. It's just a different world. It totally. I, and they, they, I know it sounds stupid. I know that they say this often. It means more. It just means more down there. I mean, even in a down
1: and they're not down necessarily, but I'm just saying this hypothetically speaking, a down LSU team or a down Tennessee team for that matter, you're still going in at night more often than not and playing in front of a hundred thousand people. I mean it's it's just insanity, man. That that
2: I mean Auburn just fired their coach after a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Is Deion Sanders taking that job? Thought I saw him, Lane Kiffen, and the Baylor OC. They all were like plus two hundred to take it. So Lane Kiffen would go from Ole Miss to there. Yeah, I mean, is that more resources there. Probably more
1: nil. The money,
2: money Lane Kiffin's making at Ole Miss,
1: though. I, why would you leave? I mean, Oxford, Mississippi is a nice town. You're making big time money. I, you know, Ole Miss is up
2: there. I mean, they, that SEC West. I mean, I guess both the East and the West, but the West is still. Really up for grabs. Um, okay, any locks you guys like this week? Six buys in the NFL, so we've got our biggest um, buy week in the NFL.
3: Uh, Mark, you like anything? So there's one stat I'm gonna throw out there. Do with it what you want, because I don't, I can't make sense of it. Teams that have played the Panthers the following week are 0 and seven the next week. So if you played the Panthers. You've lost your next game after that.
2: What a wild stat! So, so that would be the Falcons. That means the
3: Falcons are playing the Chargers. Take the Chargers minus three. If you're going to in ride, Atlanta, right? In Atlanta. So I thought at first, oh, that cross country trip. The Chargers, you know, probably don't fare well. But if that zero and seven rings true, Chargers minus three there. What is the line in Minnesota at Washington? Do you have the lines in front of you, Mark? I can pull up. Give me one second. I guess
2: Vikings by about a field goal
3: or Vikings so? are minus three on the road. Yeah, I, I got two. Good. I'm going to go with
2: Ravens minus two and a half at Saints. Cardinals at home minus
3: two over the Seahawks. See, I'm going Seahawks plus two there. I'm also taking Lions plus three and a half against the Packers. Nah, that's your bias oh, coming out. Packers. Packers stink. They are bad. I'll take the Bears to cover against Miami. Are they favored? Uh, no, they are home dogs, I think, by like four and a
1: half. Okay, I'll take the Bears to cover that against Miami. And I think New England's going to cover against the Colts. Oh, well, I have not picked against the Colts all year, I don't think. Well, go ahead with, your, that, with your Colts pick that now. That trend is bucked today. Uh, New England wins
2: 27-13. Yeah, I, um, I can't go that high. Well, I guess, Mark, you want to give your pick? Uh, sure, yeah. I, Minus 5.5, like you said, Jake. The over-under, I think, has bumped up to
3: 40.5. I think if we get 27-13, that'll be a pretty high-scoring affair for these teams. I'm taking Patriots 17, Colts
2: 14. 19-16 Patriots. Nick Folk, really good kicker. Um, I honestly think it could come down to like Nick Folk versus Chase McLaughlin. It's possible. I mean, Again, it's supposed to be a beautiful day in Foxborough if it's windy at all. I think that'll be a big thing to watch. I Jonathan, just want to see proof of a beautiful day in Foxborough. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's injury situation and Dennis Kelly, those will be the ones to watch on Friday. You think Purdue controls um, home field against Iowa? Yeah, I don't think Iowa can score enough points, and that's
1: not to say that Purdue's an offensive juggernaut, but Iowa just offensively is anemic. And Unless and they're Purdue's playing Northwestern,
3: it, then they go balls out.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll take Purdue there. And I, What is the Clemson-Notre Dame line now? Uh, three minus 3.5
3: for uh, Clemson eee.
2: I will go with Clemson 27, Notre Dame 20 I really worry about Notre Dame's O-line, can they handle Clemson's front, that's a strength for Notre Dame but Clemson's D- D-line's D a different story, and again, Drew Pine stinks as a thrower of the football I think Pine's a wonderful scent can he make a couple of strong throws I've got more of a maple my man car. myself
3: <laughs> his Some tree nice is cedar
2: wood, maybe? Drew, Drew Pine is rotting okay Okay. Give That's me your good. honest score, Jay. Clemson, Notre Dame. 23
1: 22, Notre Dame. Oh, boy. That is just that reverse is fandom to the end just telling you. I'm Jake telling Perry. you, I think Clemson's good. I don't
2: think Jake's good.
3: back from Europe
2: Clemson as fastballs is humming
3: down the middle. Clemson is due to stub their toe. Clemson 30, Notre Dame 17.
2: Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.